0: Welcome into the Chiefstone Podcast. Masuki Masukian here with you. And this is pretty much the final podcast of the offseason because tomorrow's episode is going to be a preview podcast of the regular season. So, I, I don't know. Maybe some people consider the preseason as part of... Uh, I mean, they don't include that as part of the offseason. I don't know. I, I do. I still think that's all part of the offseason because this is officially when it begins. It is going to be this week. And on Thursday, we are going to get the Bears and the Packers on the way. The Chiefs will be playing on Sunday. Hopefully, they'll still be playing on Sunday. And on this episode, we got a lot of news to go over, and we'll be doing our NFL 2019 preview show. Farzibisugin here with you, along with Zach Stegna, all the way in the Big Apple. Lot to get into here on this episode. Hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at farzine 21 and at ZSteginga to follow Zach on the Tweet Machine. 913-808-2119. That is the voicemail slash text line. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share the links as well. Uh, on this episode, we are going to discuss the signing of LaShawn McCoy joining Kansas City's backfield. What kind of an impact will he have? And what is he going to do for the Chiefs football team? And what does that mean for Damian Williams and the rest of the running backs? We are going to do our Q&A mailbag. You guys sent in a ton of questions, which I am ecstatic about. And we are going to get to as many as we can. Uh, there were a few bad ones, so I apologize if we're going to uh, exclude a few here and there, but that's just how it's going to be. And then we will preview our 2019 NFL season. Also, do a little bit of a local college football preview at the end of the podcast as well. So, a lot to get into. We're going to have a lot of fun here on this episode. Real quickly, uh, just a reminder on Wednesday today, uh, for those of you listening on, on Wednesday, if you're not listening on a Wednesday, you'll have a little bit of time left, but hurry up. Uh, We are doing the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. You will have a 48-hour window. It will be on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Just follow the steps on there. Facebook, you simply got to comment on the photo, like the photo, and share the uh, photo. When you comment, you got to tag three of your friends. And you got to be in the United States in order to win. And on Twitter, it's a simple follow and retweet. And for tomorrow's episode, we are going to be previewing the Chiefs 2019 season and break down our first game of the year. That'll be the Chiefs and the Jaguars. I know there's a lot of talk about the Hurricanes there. Uh, no updates regarding that. I know the Jaguars have to couple of, uh, cancel a couple of practices, but hopefully we can have an update as to when and where that game will be played if it's going to change on tomorrow's episode. So... Uh, that is all out of the way, and before we get into the news, I'll bring in my co-host Zach Uh Zach, what's going on, man? How was your Labor Day weekend? It
1: was awesome, man. It's always good to get home to KC. Uh, you know, got some barbecue in me. Life is good. Um, but yeah, it's also exciting to be uh, you know back in the Big Apple. Hopefully, those sirens aren't coming through the mic, but we'll <laughs> see. You know, gotta love it. That's just the sounds of the city, guys.
0: You and I, we were talking uh, for a few minutes before we got the podcast going. I mean, we heard. What did we hear before? Like, like uh, I'm pretty sure someone just uh, dropped something
1: pretty heavy, but, like, you know. Yeah, we we heard, some, heard noise, some crazy It could noises. have also been, like, you know, fireworks or, you know. I mean, based on the area on that, I don't think it was gunshots, but I don't know. Can't hopefully, totally rule it hopefully out. Hopefully not. So. I mean. Oh, man. Yeah, I think we're all right. I'm not too worried.
0: You've been traveling quite a lot since you've moved to New York. Have you had a chance to even, like, go out for the weekend and just kind of explore the city?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've done that a couple of weekends, and I'm actually really excited for it this weekend, because I know I've mentioned before uh, on the podcast, there's that uh, you know, John Brown Smokehouse, I believe, is out on Long Island. Uh, that's it, It's a Kansas City guy who went out and opened up a barbecue joint, uh, and that's, oh, that's okay. the Chiefs Mecca this, yeah. on Sundays, so you can bet okay. that's where I'll be watching the game this Sunday. I'm pretty hyped for that, actually.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have to send me some videos and photos of that place. I'm always curious. Uh, there's this place I'm I might go this year in Vegas. It's called Blue Diamond Saloon. Do you Do you know who Gerard DaCosta is, the construction worker in Vegas who buried the Chiefs' flag under the Raider Stadium?
1: See, now that you include the important details, yep, should have known the guy's name because that guy's a Kansas City legend right there. Um, yeah, yeah, but. Well, we had him on the podcast. Yes, right.
0: Uh super nice oh, guy. You did? He actually sent me a text la- yeah, yeah. Uh he sent me a text last year inviting me. Uh Christian Okoye was there, but we already had uh plans to go to a different sports bar. Uh, uh, I'll be in Vegas uh this year for the Chargers game. Because yeah, I wouldn't have my
1: plans for a you know Chiefs Hall of Famer either, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh I should have. Um it would have been nice. But Just I heard teasing. I, I I heard it's a good time. I've actually told, I've had a lot of listeners email me about that place, so I really want to go there. I heard it's an awesome time, so I might be going there this year. No guarantees yet, Um, but uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, if Christian Akoye is there again, I I definitely (laughs) would have to make that trip. Uh, All right. A little time to waste. We've got a lot to get into here on this episode. A lot of great news, and I'm very excited about the uh, Q&A. So let's get started with this. The big news for the Kansas City Chiefs, they signed LaShawn McCoy on Saturday night. They made it official on Monday. Kind of a weird day for LaShawn McCoy on Saturday. Started his day off as a Buffalo Bill, got released in the afternoon, and just right before midnight, he ended up signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, wasn't official until Monday, but they did eventually get that deal done, ink on paper. One-year deal worth $4 million. $3 million of that is guaranteed Uh, He turned 31 in June, which is what concerns a lot of Chiefs fans. Uh, Came out of the University of Pittsburgh, second rounder in 2009. I remember that year, a lot of people were saying that he is the most gifted running back from that draft class. By the way, fun fact about that draft class, uh, the Eagles draft class in 2009, this is actually the second player from that Eagles draft class to come over to Kansas City, the prior one being Jeremy Macklin, former Missoula wide receiver. Did you know that, Zach?
1: I did not know that until I read it on the little notes thing that you sent over.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that. I was actually looking at uh, uh, Philadelphia's 2009 draft class, and I, I, I saw Jeremy Macklin's name on there. I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, we got Jeremy Macklin uh, and LaShawn McCoy from that draft class. So the Chiefs have a thing for uh, for that draft class, obviously because of Andy well, Reid. That's a big part yeah, of
1: it. Andy has a thing for you know players that fit a certain type. Um, which we certainly have quite a few of this year.
0: Yeah, and it'll be interesting. And I want to get into uh, how he fits in just a moment. Real quickly, let me read this. Uh, This is actually kind of a fun fact if you're a Chiefs fan. Adam Schefter reported that the Chargers tried really hard to sign uh, LaShawn McCoy, but obviously unable to do so. And I think a big part of it, Evan Silva, uh, who tweeted something using pro football-focused stats and experience, the Chargers actually have a really terrible offensive line, uh, and you might be wondering, LaShawn McCoy, yeah, he took a big step back last year. His his stats definitely dipped. But a big part of that was they lost two Pro Bowl offensive linemen. Richie Incognito, he was very flaky with his availability. He was upset with his contract. Eric Wood had a neck injury before the season. Uh, Cordy Glenn, now, to be clear... Uh, LaShawn McCoy did refer to him as a pro bowler. He actually is not a pro bowler. Uh, he mentioned he was a pro bowler in the press conference, but he's a very good offensive lineman. Big he time. actually got traded before the season. Since entering the NFL in 2009, McCoy has rushed for the most yards with 10,606 yards and the second most touchdowns, 69 of any player in the NFL during that time span. And by the way, McCoy will wear 25 as Darwin Thompson changes his number to 34, Andy Reid was asked if McCoy would play this week against Jaguars, and Andy Reid's response was, it depends on how he is picking up the offense and how comfortable he feels. He also said something very interesting. He said that he considers both Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy the starters, and I was listening to First Take. I generally don't get to listen to this because uh, I'm uh, usually at work during the day, so I watched that on Monday on Labor Day, and the guys on there were saying LaShawn McCoy is not going to have flashy stats. But he is gonna have a big impact. Andy Reid's gonna find a way to get him into open space, and that is where he's going to do the most damage for the Kansas City Chiefs that is where he's going to help this offense the most and when you consider the speed you have already on this team we don't need to go over it because we've already done so so many times but hey fans like it why not Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman, uh, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams there's just so many weapons on this football team it's like you know I I think maybe we can it's very hard to do in the NFL but maybe we can entertain the discussion of repeating that kind of historic offensive performance and LaShawn McCoy a lot of people think we'll have a big hand in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I would say as far as the uh, you know, repeat of the offensive performance is concerned, I think that one thing that bears mentioning here is that the thing that might actually prevent it from taking place again actually has nothing to do with the offense at all. It might be the fact that you know our special teams looks pretty strong, and our defense, you know, between those two, we might actually end up with a lot shorter fields. Uh, so, thereby, you know, might not put up the same level of yardage just because you don't have nearly as many potential yards to make up. Just food for thought. I was talking with a friend about that this weekend, so it wouldn't shock me if that was the case. Uh, but by the same token, I don't think the offense is going to have any decline in production as far as you know, you know, yards per uh, yards per play or anything like that. I think we're definitely in in good position to say the least.
0: Yeah, the average is going to be the the, the more fair comparison to make when you do when you do that uh, from this year to last year I know some people are still kind of shaky with that defense their confidence level not as high maybe some higher than others um, by the on way which for part what, of the defense for what this is worth uh, pro football focus graded uh, I mean they have all sorts of grades in so many areas blocking grades tackling grades coverage grades all kinds of grades as a team and individually the Chiefs were in the first three weeks, they had the, someone from Arrowhead Pride uh, tweeted this. The Chiefs had the best tackling grade out of anybody in the NFL in the preseason. And there was a big gap between first place and second place. Now, I don't know what that tackling grade is through four preseason games. I un- also understand it's a preseason. That's another thing to consider here. Um, but at the same time, look, you're not going to, you're not going to shy away from that. I mean, let's be honest. When Patrick Mahomes went out there and threw a big bomb to Tyree Hill last year in the preseason, we all gushed over it like little kids. We were excited to see that. So, uh, listen, I'll take it. I, I will because this team they did a great job of closing in on ball carriers, but absolutely terrible at wrapping up and closing plays. And you got to see a better job of that this year. I agree,
1: and I think that that's absolutely. I mean, you know, they say that your know, blocking and tackling are you know that's. While there's obviously a physical component to both, a whole lot more of it is really the fundamentals, the technique, and really above all the want to, uh, and that's the sort of thing that coaching really does make a massive difference in. Uh, and so I think that that's the sort of thing that you know Steve Spagnuolo has come in and uh, you know I think he's no small part of that. Do I think that the Chiefs are going to you know, end up being the best tackling team in the NFL the way that you know evidently we were in the preseason according to Pro Football Focus? I mean probably not, but you know, as long as we're not at the, uh, basement, I think we're doing great. So.
0: Yeah. And, and hopefully we can have more of that balance this year. That definitely would be great to see. I will say this, uh, do you remember, uh, in that Super Bowl when the Falcons blew that big lead to the, uh, to the Patriots, mm-hmm. something that the Washington post pointed out. And I don't, I don't want to say this was an excuse, but you know, I actually think there's some, uh, there's a story right there to be told, but And I don't remember the numbers exactly, but the Falcons kept getting a lot of uh, short drives where they scored. They also had a big pick six. Uh, I mean, they were were doing a lot of scoring pretty quickly, so much so that the defense ended up being on the field a lot. Now, sure, Shanahan and his play calling in the fourth quarter, that's a big part of it right there, too. But, you know, the defense is being on the field so much. Kind of makes you wonder if that played a hand as to why Atlanta blew that lead because they were tired so much. Whereas with the Chiefs, I mentioned this last year, because this Chiefs offense had so many quick drives last year, I'm kind of wondering if that played a role. And I'm not saying, hey, look, let's have, you know, 10 play drives. No, you score whenever you absolutely can because whenever, even if you do have a one play or a two play drive that ends in a touchdown, it's going to give the offense. A lot of energy when they go out there, uh, and I think that's uh, momentum is a big thing in sports. Uh, but at the same time, if you're out there for so many snaps, yeah, it's definitely going to take a toll on you physically and, and mentally as well. I'm kind of wondering if, uh, if 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 there's anything behind that that you take, or if you think that's maybe blowing things out of proportion.
1: I Man, I don't think it necessarily has the biggest outcome. Like, I don't think it's. I guess the biggest contributor to the outcome, but it certainly does contribute without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I remember for you know years of suffering as a Kansas football fan. Uh, you know, for you know, the majority of the baby years, we actually had pretty solid defenses, but the offense was notorious for three and outs, and so you know the games would stay close up until about you know, kind of halfway through the third quarter, and then you know it would go belly up pretty quick. Uh, so I. I I only use that story just to illustrate the fact that, you know, it does certainly play a role, but I think that the key is going to be, you know, can the defense also get back off the field and get the ball back into the hand of our offense? Um, Because ultimately it comes down to, you know, if the defense is producing three and outs and the offense is scoring touchdowns, I mean, you know, quick drives on either side, that's not a bad place to be. Um, I think that it wouldn't shock me for a minute to see the defense, you know, put in a vast majority of the time, Uh, In terms of, you know, if you look at the time of possession, I think, you know, we'll still win a lot of games with the opponent dominating the clock. Uh, But, you know, I think that that's not the only reason our defense was bad last year. And, you know, it'll be not the only reason we improved this year either.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, Going back to LaShawn McCoy, I know we got a little off topic there discussing the balance on offense and defense. But let me ask this because... I really like Damian Williams, and I know we have not talked about Damian Damian Williams on this podcast much. The thing that we really need to remember, this guy had, if I remember correctly, 250 yards of total offense in the playoffs, in the two playoff games against the Colts and the Patriots, and he scored three touchdowns in the AFC Championship game. And now here's LaShawn McCoy, and I think Damian Williams is a 1,000-yard rushing type of running back. But with LaShawn McCoy part of the mix... I don't know exactly if we're going to have flashy stats. I do think Damian Williams will barely eclipse the 1,000-yard rushing mark, but I think this is going to be an offense, and a rushing offense specifically, going to be very similar to 2010 when you had Jamal Charles coming off a really good year, filling in for Larry Johnson after he got released, and Thomas Jones came in and really helped Jamal Charles carry the football. Now, Thomas Jones getting 15 more carries than Jamal, that's, completely different topic, it's in and of, of itself, but uh, those two guys did an outstanding job running the football last year for Kansas City, and I'm kind of thinking that this Damian williams LaShawn McCoy tandem could be very similar to Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones from 2010.
1: I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, I think that you know the question is ultimately going to come down to how much does Shady really have left in the tank as far as, you know, does he still have some of that breakaway speed? I don't think the footwork's going anywhere ever. Uh, And Andy has been quoted as saying as much uh, probably through LaShawn, but you know what I'm saying here. Uh, I think that, you know, Damian Williams obviously has, you know, a little more tread left on the tires, so to speak. Uh, But I think that realistically, you know, the more weapons, the better, because that means you can have a fresh weapon in every time. And so, I think that's where you get back to where Reed says he considers them each starters. Um, I mean, I don't think he means that he's trying to run a two back set. I wouldn't put it past him either. I mean, really, Andy is, you know, got to be like a kid in a candy store as far as, you know, building his offense this year because ultimately he likes. You got a lot of toys. That's exactly right. I mean, find me me someone with more toys. Like, I'll wait because you can't. Um, It's just not there.
0: I can't remember who tweeted. I think it was from Black Sports Online. And he's also with Fox Sports. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. But he tweeted something saying, is this the fastest offense in NFL history? And and I'm I'm thinking to myself, it's like, is there a faster offense that we've seen ever? Um, I mean, these guys aren't necessarily the best wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, dangerous receiver, is he the best? You know, I, I put maybe a couple of other receivers ahead of him. Guys like DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones. But... I mean, it's not like he has to be the best because he has probably the best number two wide receiver in the NFL and probably the best rookie receiver in the NFL with him. And, oh, by the way, the best tight end in the NFL. It's like there's there's so much... Uh, to go around right now. And you mentioned LaShawn McCoy, you know, how much tread does he have left? It's not like he is under pressure to carry this football team because we're going to see these guys split duties here. Uh, there's no pressure on Tyreek Hill to be an amazing receiver because he's got so many other teammates around him that, you know, he'll help and they'll help him. That's a, that's a great thing about this offense, and that's what excites me and, and every other Chiefs fan going into this Sunday.
1: 100%. Uh, the other thing that I think – bears mentioning about uh, bringing in LaShawn mccoy here at this point i mean you know you've got somebody who has you know multiple time pro bowler um you know one of the best running backs in the nfl during his entire career and i think that that is going to be incredibly valuable experience to have in the running back room that's going to you know, have a huge effect on darwin thompson's you know continued development and i think it's going to make williams a better running back as well um and whatever he can contribute on the field great uh but i think you know. All those guys plus Eric Enemy, I think that you know we're going to be in for some fun at the running back position. The only question is going to be, you know, are there really going to be enough touches to go around for everybody?
0: Yeah, uh, for fantasy football purposes, which a lot of people were asking me, they're like, hey, you know, should I trade Damian Williams? I'm like, look, I'm not the biggest fantasy guy. Uh, I'll take the real life success anytime. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It really will. Uh, let us know I'll your see. thoughts on uh, Lashawn McCoy.
1: I was the fantasy guy. Uh, no, you were the fantasy guy. I mean, of you know, this weekend as I was drafting with a bunch of my uh, bunch of my friends, yeah, you know, I I recognized that I had the you know easiest choice in the book because we we do a keeper league and it's an auction style draft. Uh, so I was able to keep Mahomes at the same price I paid for him last year, which was like six dollars. Which is for those of you who do fantasy and auction stuff, it's wicked cheap. It was awesome, but I was looking at you know possibly picking up some of the other weapons and ultimately it came down to, realistically, I mean, I don't know where all those targets are going to go, but I do know where they're all coming from. So if you're going to pick one Chief, I would certainly pick Mahomes. Uh, just, you yeah, know, a little side note there.
0: Let us know what you think about LaShawn McCoy and his contributions to the Chiefs in 2019. Facebook.com slash again at Farzee21, at ZStega913-80821. One nine. Okay, let's hit off some of these other news notes real quickly here. Chad Henney, backup quarterback for the Chiefs. He is officially now on IR. We were talking about this last week. Why was this not the case? We were waiting for the 53-man roster. I think that's what when the Chiefs wanted to make this official. And Henney's season is going to be... Closed for 2019. DeAnthony Thomas suspended one game due to his arrest for possession of marijuana back in January. Uh, A couple of notable transactions. Khalil McKenzie, the guard who was drafted as a defensive lineman, converted to offensive line. He joined Seattle's practice squad. Jeff Allen at first did not make the team, but eventually ended up getting signed to the 53-man roster for the Chiefs. Uh, This was kind of a a surprise move for Chiefs fans. The Chiefs did release Jeremiah Atauchu. Uh, Which was a surprise given that he was probably the best player, the best Chiefs player in that fourth preseason game. But again, it goes to show that preseason games aren't the only thing coaches are looking at. I've seen it many times where someone had a bad preseason but made the 53-man roster. And I've seen it the other way around where players did well in the preseason but did not make the team. So uh, a lot of factors do contribute into that. As far as practice squad players, uh, going over this real quickly, you got quarterback Kyle Schirmer who uh, who beat out Chase Litton. Wide receiver Cody Thompson, center Jim, uh, Jimmy Murray, running back Marcus Marshall. A lot of people liked him in the preseason. A lot of people also like this guy. Wide receiver Jordy or excuse me, Jody Fortson, tied in Nick Kaiser, who had a nice preseason showing last Thursday in Green Bay. Defensive backs, Alex Brown and Tory McTyre. Defensive end, Cameron Malavau, I believe is how you say it. And Malvo. linebacker Emmanuel Smith. Those guys are on the practice squad. Quick note, by the way. Because I know there's a big misconception with fans who maybe don't follow football as as closely as maybe Zach and I do. Uh, Chad Henney being on the IR and players who are suspended like DeAnthony Thomas and Morris Claiborne. He's got a four-game suspension. Those guys are not on the 53-man roster. And therefore, they're not considered players who are going to be inactive. So every Sunday about 90 minutes before kickoff, there are seven players that are going to be inactive. Which I'm not a big fan of that, but that's just the way the NFL has done it for a long time. Uh, Chad Henney will not be inactive, nor, uh, will Anthony Thomas be considered inactive, nor will Morris Claiborne. So keep that in mind when, uh, I do post the inactive list, because I've had Chiefs fans comment in the, in the comment section saying, hey, you forgot this guy. It's like, no, that's not how it works. So I just want to make sure I'm clear on that, uh, from, uh, so that way fans, uh, who didn't know, now they know. Um, you know, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. I, I thought Kyle Schirmer would end up beating Chase Litton. Um, you know, I mean, the practice squad, they're just practice squad guys. Uh, it's its going to change as the season goes along. I, I was a little surprised about Jeremiah Atachu. I thought he was going to be someone who could provide good depth. But other than that, I don't really have a whole lot to say about some of these other notes uh, that went on with the Chiefs' transactions as they tried to trim their roster to 53. Yeah, I think it was fairly, I mean, for the most part, pretty predictable. Uh, I mean, I think we saw most of
1: it coming with the, maybe the potential uh, exclusion there of a Uh, Just because, I mean, I'll be honest. While he showed up, you know, certainly in that uh, you know fourth preseason, as I was going back and watching some highlights of that, uh, you know, he definitely did a nice job. But his overall body of work, you know, do you take the younger guy with upside, or do you take the veteran who you know he's maybe got a little bit higher floor, but you also know he's got a lot lower ceiling? I, I mean, I'm not really shocked by any of the moves. Was glad to see we were able to get Thompson onto the practice squad. Um, cause I know with some of the performances he put out, it wouldn't have shocked me if he had been scooped off the waiver wire, so to speak. Uh, but glad to see he made it through. And then also, you know, I kind of like the long-term project there in Jody Fortson. You know, he's a big dude and he can move really well. So uh, I can almost see him being like, you know, kind of that wide receiver tight end hybrid, if you will, you know, whether he's a massive receiver or, you know, a smaller, faster tight end doesn't really matter. Uh, would still definitely be a weapon in the offense, you know, maybe not next year but you know, maybe you know a couple years down the line.
0: If you look at the Chiefs cornerbacks right now, they've got Bashad Breland, Kendall Fuller, Charverius Ward, uh, Rashad Fenton, and for some reason on uh, OurLads.com, Rashad Fenton, Fenton is mentioned uh, three times on here. The Chiefs only have four cornerbacks, and Andy Reid did mention he has some confidence in putting Armani Watts in certain cornerback slot situations. Uh, which okay we'll see how that goes but four cornerbacks man and that's and we'll get to our Q&As in just a moment but that is where um that is where Chase fans are are concerned the most in fact i think uh we'll we'll get to the cornerbacks in a minute because we do get asked about this quite a lot so let's uh, go ahead and make this transition now our Q&A mailbag, i was i had no idea how this was going to pan out uh but you guys really showed up for this uh facebook twitter text line we got tons of questions. Um, there were some not-so-great questions, so I kind of had to trim this down a little bit. So I apologize if we're not going to get to your question. We're definitely going to do, do another one of these down the road. So if you didn't get a chance to participate or if your question was not asked, hey, uh, I know for a fact we'll do another one of these uh, maybe sometime at the halfway point of the season. Uh, let's start with Facebook. And again, if you guys want to do this for next time, Vesugian. Tweet us at farzine 21 and at Stegenga and the number nine one three eight zero Uh 1st question from Steve, a uh, longtime listener of the podcast, by the way, in the um, New England area, in Patriots region. Uh, he's a police officer, too, by the way. Uh, so uh, he, he shared a funny story with me, Zach, years ago. Uh, remember when the Chiefs beat the Patriots on opening night a couple of years ago?
1: Opening night? or Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one where yeah, uh, the, the, the yeah, first game Kareem of the Hunt year fumbled the first First uh, you know. Yes. First carry and then Eric Berry went down. Yeah, I remember.
0: Well, the day he sent me a message on Facebook, he goes, "Dude, the New England me- media is just laughing at the uh, the Chiefs right now, and they think the Patriots are going to roll over." And obviously we know how that panned out. Dude, I was listening to um talk radio in Boston the next day. Uh the two radio stations they have, mm-hmm. they were speechless. And one of the radio hosts goes, "The last time I saw this was the Monday night football game years ago when the Chiefs blew out the Patriots." So, that was pretty cool. Fun fun story about Steve. He uh, he sent me that a few years ago. Uh, he went to that game, uh, that same game, on opening uh, the kickoff night. And he made that it out would alive, would have been thankfully. a blast. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun to attend as a Chiefs fan. Uh, here's his question. He says, I do not think the Chiefs' depth is as good as we may be thinking. The 2, 3, and 4s. And keep in mind, he posted this a little bit early, before the roster cut. Have not shown to be any better than the opponent up to this point in the preseason. Are we overvaluing these players due to our hometown bias? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I know in the first game they looked really good. Honestly, man, the preseason was hit and miss with um, with the backups. Because we didn't really see anything exciting. Uh, I mean, we saw a few flashes here and there with certain players. But as a team, as a unit... We didn't see much from these guys. The Chiefs didn't put up a lot of points in these preseason games with their backups outside of Week 1. Depth-wise, I know offensively, I mean, everyone's going crazy about that. We obviously talked about about that already. Defensively, I like the depth at the defensive line, outside of the defensive line. Yeah, I'm not really too excited about the rest of the defense. Uh, that's that's, That's where I stand with the depth chart.
1: No, that's fair. I think that ultimately, you know, the depth is, it does come down position-wise. I mean, quarterback depth, I mean, for us, it, I mean, it matters, obviously, to have depth, but in this case, like, the drop-off from one to two is so big, you don't want depth to matter at the quarterback position. Running back, I think we're in pretty good shape. Same goes for receiver, and same goes for the offensive line. Tight ends, yeah, we've got one and a half. I mean, I'm still not sold on Blake Bell, and I'm not sure yeah, what not the, either. the elder is going to produce. Uh, but we have so many other weapons on that offense that I'm not really that worried about it. Defensive line, pretty strong. Linebackers, I've seen some flashes. I'm not discouraged, but I'm also not gonna write them up as like you know one of the best. Corners, Houston, we have a problem here. Yeah, uh, but then safeties, <laughs> really like I mean we've got some good ones there. I think that one of the things that you you mentioned about the cornerback position where you know we only took you know four corners. I mean recognizing that Morris Claiborne is going to be one of those after, you know, someone will get knocked off the roster who we're not sure, but someone's going to get knocked off that roster. Um, but I think that realistically, you've got a couple of safeties. I mean, if you know, Andy's expressed confidence in Armani Watts, um, you know, Tyron Matthew has shown the ability to play, I mean, really all over the defense, but certainly also at corner uh, and Juan Thornhill certainly looks to be pretty strong in coverage as well. So that could be something that might offset the uh, you know relative lack of depth at the cornerback position. But, uh, yeah, I think that really the Chiefs have better depth than I think we give them a little bit of credit for, just because, I mean, especially if you're looking at the preseason, if you look at the 49ers game, yep, our backups did not outdo their starters. Bummer. But beyond that, I mean, I think it's, you know, the preseason just has to be taken with a grain of salt as a whole. So I'm really just not that bent out of shape about it. Because ultimately, I'd much rather have the starters stay healthy than have to worry about the depth in general.
0: Yeah, last year I was pretty discouraged about the preseason because I thought it was the most important preseason in Chiefs history with Mahomes. And and look what happened. I mean, Mahomes and the starters, they got outplayed by Atlanta's backups and by Chicago's backups. Well, we all know what happened there. Uh, Next question. Sharon says, which chief do you think leads the team in tackling and will the linebackers play better this year, that's an interesting question. Going to the uh, from the three four to the four three, and Anthony Hitchens, uh, I believe he was fifth in the NFL in tackles, but was rated the worst linebacker by Pro Football Focus. Um, who do I think is going to lead the team in tackles? I'll, look, I, I think the easy answer would be a Reggie Ragland or Anthony Hitchens. If I had to pick one, I'll I'll go Hitchens again. Why not? He was there on a lot of plays more times than not. But as far as the rest of the linebackers, uh, I I don't know. Uh, to me, it's just. This linebacker group, I, 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 they've got some notable names, uh, but how do they play on the 4-3 with a new defensive coordinator? That's, to me, the biggest question mark. Um, I'm kind of 50-50. I, I hate to give that kind of answer, but I'm 50-50 going into uh, week one with these linebackers. But if I had to give an answer, I, I'd say I'm leaning more optimistic that they'll improve. Maybe the first couple of games, it's going to be a, a learning curve, a rough learning curve, but I think eventually they'll catch on and they'll... Uh, they'll play better as the season goes along.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on that, and I think that you know they'll definitely play better than they did last year. Uh, I mean, Hitchens, I don't think he'll grade out as the uh, worst linebacker in the NFL again by Pro Football Focus. Uh, but as far as who leads the team in tackles, nah, that's the Honey Badger all the way, just because he can do so many things at all different levels of the field. And realistically, I think you're going to have to have you know some leading. You know, I think your leading tackler comes out of the secondary, regardless, just because. There's going to be teams throwing the ball a lot on us. Uh, And as a result, I think you'll see the uh, Honey Badger lead the team in tackles.
0: Cody said, remember the Andy Reid Eagles, quote, dream team that was going to run through the NFL? How much of a comparison do you see with the 2019 Chiefs? If I remember correctly, the Eagles team flopped. If we don't get to the Super Bowl, will Andy Reid be on the hot seat? Um, Look, I don't know if he'll be on the hot seat because if you fire him, who's going to come here and do as good or better of a job? I, I I mean I don't know if anyone can come in here and do that. As far as the Eagles' dream team, um, I'm not exactly sure what that is in reference to. I will say that was this: weird. I think they
1: had you know McCoy, Macklin, Michael Vick. Um, oh, okay, a couple of others. Like they had you know they signed Nadi Asamoah when he was you know, the best corner in the NFL for a brief period of time, and he wound up being trash. A couple other big names uh, that they signed in that offseason, but it ultimately just never worked out. Uh, You know, some people got dinged up. Again, Nadia Asamoah proved not to be the corner everybody thought he was. Um, You know, Asante Samuel was the one on the other side there, and he got old. So, I mean... I don't think there's that many comparisons. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was an Andy Reid led team with some pretty substantial speed at the offensive skill positions, uh, including, you know, our now very own LaShawn McCoy. But I mean, like it or not, while Michael Vick might have been the most uh you know recently dominant Madden player in two thousand four, yeah. You know, Madden two thousand four Michael Vick was just, you know, widely known to be about as unfair as, you know, Techmo Bulbo Jackson. Uh, but I think Mahomes is probably the next quarterback to be that dominant. But they're in such different ways. You know, Michael Vick was the, uh, you know, always the dual threat, but really more of a running threat than throwing the ball. And Mahomes uh, can do it all and throw from all sorts of arm angles. So, like, I understand the comparison and I get why you make it, but I don't think it's that accurate.
0: Yeah, I, I think this Chiefs team, definitely better than any team Andy Reid has ever had. A lot of people are saying that this is Andy Reid's dream team. Real quickly, I I know we don't talk about this as much, but this is worth notice, uh, noting here. Andy Reid went to the NFC Championship four years in a row with the Eagles from 2000 to 2004. Uh, excuse me, no, 2001 through 2004, and in 2004 2004 2005 season to be clear that is when he finally won an NFC championship game that is when they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl that was i believe the third Super Bowl win for the Eagles or excuse me the, the Patriots. Patriots yeah 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 i think so um and then they went to the NFC championship game again in 2008 that was when the Arizona Cardinals had that really hot run with Kurt Warner and they had three receivers catch for 1000 yards um, so he's been to that game five times. He's been to an AFC championship game with the Chiefs. He's been to six conference championship games, and he's only won once. And listen, I think Andy Reid, out of anyone else, knows that he's sick and tired of falling short. He knows that this is really his best opportunity to it, even with a not-so-great... Look, you were an offsides call away from going to a Super Bowl with Bob Sutton's 31st-ranked defense. I mean, if you could have done that last year, you certainly have an even better chance this year, considering the offense is better on paper. Hopefully you have some luck on your side once again with injuries. I know Sammy Watkins got hurt, but still, the offense was rolling along. Kareem Hunt got kicked off. You still accomplished a lot with your offense. Uh, Defense, I I just think defense is going to be better. Uh, I know I might be a little bit more optimistic than, than some, but I think... Uh, you certainly don't feel you don't get the gist that this is going to be a thirty first ranked defense once again, and I don't. I don't think Andy Reid's on the hot seat. Hey, listen, here's my thing about firing people or trading away a big name player. If you're going to do that, you better have someone who you know for sure is better and will do a better job. Why do Why do coaches get fired? Because they do terrible. Why do they bring in someone else? Because they feel like that person can do better. I don't think Andy Reid's on the hot seat. The, the expectations, the expectation is high, but no, not on the hot seat.
1: I'm with you to a point on the why coaches get fired thing. But really, it should also be, you know, it bears mentioning that if you think about it, when you have a bad team, it ain't always just the coach. Uh, you know, Romeo Cornell did not do a great job with that, you know, Chiefs team, but it wasn't all him because the roster was pretty poorly constructed. Uh, and the thing that always happens is, like, if you think about it, you know, think about it from an ownership perspective, right? You know, do you move the one guy who's worth, you know, a couple million dollars to replace um, and placate your fan base that way? Or do you move all of the players who are multiple hundreds of millions of dollars when you do the math? That's why coaches get fired, because that's the easiest way to signal to your fan base. Hey, look at us. We're uh, we're upset with how it turned out last year and we're making some changes because you can't get rid of all the players overnight. You just can't. Whereas the coach, you certainly can.
0: That's part of the game. Uh, by the way, when uh, Doug Peterson and the Eagles won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so many people were like, Andy, we should have been fired, and we should have uh, hired Doug Peterson to replace him. It's like, dude, chill. Nope. You were not saying that at the time. There's no way anyone could have predicted that, especially when Carson Wentz went down. So just settle down. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just remember to, to mention that story. Um, next, yeah, Andy's uh,
1: not on the hot seat at all. He no. leaves Kansas City on his own terms unless he and Mahomes somehow get sideways.
0: Yeah, I, phew, uh, that's the last thing we would ever expect. Okay, Not these next two it. these next 2 I'm going to combine together. Al asks, how much confidence do you have in our cornerbacks going to, into week one? And Joe says, uh, what would you rate the Chiefs cornerbacks? Uh, we, we've kind of talked about that going into the uh, Q&A segment, Zach, but how much confidence do I have in them going into week one? I don't know. Uh I don't know. The fact that you're asking that, I think, tells me you're not that confident uh with the cornerbacks. I certainly am not. Uh I mean I like Kendall Fuller, don't get me wrong. Bashad Breland, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have him on the team. That's a player who the Chiefs were going after last year, but you know, can he stay healthy? Can he play at a high level? Uh you know, can Morris Claiborne come in and eventually help this football team? I know he's not available in week one. Uh but as far as how would I rate them? Boy, I would say below average. Uh, that's um, that's the best grade I can really give this uh, this cornerback uh, group right here.
1: Yeah, I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being you know Darrell Rivas in his prime and 1 being Philip Gaines a couple years ago against the Broncos, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: You know, I'm going to put these guys at a solid. I mean, Kendall Fuller, I'd put him at you know, probably a 7 or an 8. He's pretty solid, but he can't do it all by himself. Bashad Breland, probably a 5 or a 6. Charverius Ward between, you know, a three and a six. Cause sometimes he has his moments where he looks just fine and he has moments where he looks like trash, but I guess as a whole, I mean, you know, you could average some of that out. Like it's, I'm going to give it a four just because yeah, I do not have a lot of confidence in these corners yet. Hoping, hoping, hoping for another move to be made uh, where we can shore up that cornerback position just cause ultimately like, you know, it, with the way that, Offenses are continuing to spread out, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I think the safeties will be able to, you know, run some interference, especially as you get into sub packages. You know, get into the dime, especially. Um, you'll you'll have the safety slide in as that extra defensive back, as opposed to using another corner. But, uh, yeah, I'd I'd like to see one more quality cornerback in Kansas City, and hopefully, Boris Claiborne can turn into that. Uh, not necessarily super confident on him, but hopefully, he can surprise me.
0: Sharon, uh, a different Sharon, different Sharon on here. Uh, Do you think the defenses will know what to do with Mahomes after last season? Yeah, I I think they're going to know what to do. Will they be able to execute and stop him? I think that's a, I think that would be another question to have on here. Uh, Look, I think teams know what to do. They know how to stop Tom Brady. They know how to stop Patrick Mahomes. They know how to stop all these elite players here and there. Do they have the right game plan? Do they ha- Will they have the right execution? I think that's the more important question right there. And to me, look, you it's no secret what's going to happen. There's this insane misconception right now that Chase Litton being signed by the Jaguars is going to be bad for the Chiefs because he's going to give away our playbook and our game plan. It's like, look, if Chase Litton, a practice squad quarterback, If we lose because he gives away our game plan, we don't deserve to win a single game all year long. Stop blowing that thing up. I mean, that is even that's a non-story. It really is. Uh, As far as you know, can teams do teams know what to do? Yeah, they do. Will they stop them? No. Uh, There, there are just so many weapons right now on this team that you know you can have the best game plan out there uh, and study all this film. That's great, but at the end of the day, this Chiefs offense is going to be very hard to stop.
1: Yeah, and ultimately it comes down to the abundance of weapons, but also, it, it even more importantly than that, it's not just the you know presence of these weapons; it's the way that they all fit together. You've got you know, I always you know liken it to where you've got Patrick Mahomes, whose arm strength is truly a unique gift that you know ninety nine percent of other people don't have. You know, in the NFL, like maybe Aaron Rodgers has. As gifted of an arm when it comes to accuracy. When it comes to strength, Joe Flacco and Matt Stafford both have that, but the accuracy is a little less. Um, so, you know, Mah- Holmes' arm is an incredibly unique talent. Now, you couple that with the fact that, you know, Tyreek Hill's speed is obviously an incredibly unique talent. Part of the reason those two are such an amazing tandem is because, guess what? Both of those two's incredible strengths are perfect complements for each other. Uh, and so, I guess all of this is a long way of saying, yeah, defenses will have a general idea of what we're going to be up to, but like it or not, the matchups are such that you can't stop it. I mean, you know, look at some of the throws that Mahomes made last year. Like, you know, just because they're going to be you know keeping an eye out for the no look stuff, doesn't mean that they're going to be able to stop it because that's still you know just instinctively incredibly difficult to stop. You know, when he throws it eighty yards across his body to the left side of the field, you know, there's not a lot you could do to stop that, and so. Do I think that it might slow us down in some occasions? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, the Patriots clearly provided the game plan, uh, you know, in the first half of both games against the Chiefs last year. You know, both of those games, they seemed to rattle Mahomes fairly well. But you know what? What happened in the second half of both of those games? Mahomes came back not nearly as rattled as he was at the beginning. They adjusted, and they put up some points. So, you know, I hear the concern, but I think that, like it or not, there's some stuff that, you you really just can't prepare for.
0: Don asks, uh, how will, how bad will our cornerbacks be burnt bearing we don't get an upgrade, uh, through a trade? Yeah. I mean, that's a concern for sure. And I think it's going to be the type of defense where you're going to need a lot of safety help. And I think what one thing you're going to be relying on quite a bit this year, Zach, is some good play up front with a defensive line. I know last year mm-hmm. the Chiefs led the league in sacks, but, and that didn't translate well with your secondary. Generally, a great pass rush does help the secondary. Um, but that's a very rare thing. Hopefully that, that it's going to be a different story this year. You've got a great defensive line and guys like Okafor, uh, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. Uh, we'll see, you know, how they're going to do with the linebackers when it comes to blitz packages and whatnot. But, you know, I I think that's really what you're banking on right now with your quarterbacks that you have great play with your defensive line and that they can rely on the pass rush to not have as much pressure.
1: Yeah, and by the same token, I mean, to to answer your question directly there, Don, uh, yeah, I'd put good money down that Trivarius Ward gets burnt like toast at least once or twice, uh, especially over the course of the season. I mean, really, like, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he gets one real good burn in per game. But is it going to cost us games? That's the real question there. I'm hoping not, uh, because I think the offense will be able to carry some of that weight. But, uh, yeah, you can... Take it to the bank that someone's going to burn a Chiefs cornerback this year. The question's going to be, do we have the safety help over the top? uh, Or does it go to the house for a touchdown?
0: Chase says, defensive backs and linebackers, have we improved in those positions at all? Uh, Let me split up defensive backs. Safeties... Yes, I do think there's a big upgrade there. I think Dan Sorensen's better in rotation. I've said that many times. Tyron Matthew, no one's going to say no. He's not an upgrade. He obviously is and I think Juan Thornhill, this guy was in the top five in interceptions and in return yards last year on defense. So I, I, I like our safeties. Cornerbacks, not that last year's cornerbacks were amazing, but last year's were definitely better than what we have right now. Obviously, we haven't played any games yet, but uh, looking at this team going into the season, I'm not too confident. And as far as linebackers, uh, starters, I know there may not be a lot of confidence, but I think, you know, as a whole, with what you have right now, uh, starters and depth, you got Damian, Will- uh, da- excuse me, Damian Wilson, who you traded for, uh, or excuse me, Darren Lee was the one you traded for. Damian Wilson, you signed from Dallas, reuniting with Anthony Hitchens. I think your linebackers are going to play better this year. I really do. Uh That's my expectation with this, uh, with the group of linebackers going into 2019.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, defensive backs, you know, I honestly, the sad part is I think that the cornerbacks did improve simply by virtue of the fact that I think Bashad Breland is a step up from Steven Nelson. Uh, but is it, did they improve enough? Not in my opinion, safety's obviously improved quite a bit and the linebackers, I think you'll see some good stuff out of Darren Lee, um, I think that you know his presence has certainly pushed Reggie Ragland to step up his game. I mean, the guy, you know, lost quite a fair bit of weight and was moving a little bit better. Is he ever going to be natural in pass coverage? I personally don't think so. But yeah, I think that we'll see, you know, slightly better play out of the both of them. Um uh, so I mean, did they improve a ton? Not necessarily, but did they improve enough to, you know, get us out of the cellar defensively? I think they did.
0: Enrique uh, sends a lot of good questions on Facebook and on the text line. Uh, How many interceptions will our defense have, and who do you think will lead the team in ints? Uh, Who's going to be the? uh, Or the first question is how many interceptions? Boy, uh, that is uh, that's pretty hard. Uh, Zach, do you have in front of you by any chance how many uh, takeaways the Chiefs had uh, through interceptions last year?
1: I'm working on it. Give me okay. one uh, yeah, big I'm, second. I'm looking my... at it
0: right now. As as far as who's going to lead the team in interceptions, I'm going to go Juan Thornhill. I'm pretty confident it's going to be him who gets the um who gets the most interceptions next year I, or this year rather. Uh I say he's going to have 5. That's going to be my guess. As far as uh the Chiefs total, they had 12 interceptions. Um not All right, the So I'll give
1: us a bump to 15.
0: Yeah, not the greatest number Maybe last more. year. Um, yeah, I I, I want to say I want to say somewhere in the late teens. I'll say seventeen. That that'll be my number. I was gonna say twenty, but I kind of feel like it's a little too high with this secondary. I think best case scenario you will hit the twenties if you have the best pass rush in the NFL. You don't have to have the most sacks, just the best pass rush, and I think that'll help you get to a high number like that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna put us at you know fifteen, sixteen interceptions uh, for for next year Uh, and I think that you know it's either going to be I mean no it will be Thornhill over Honey Badger simply because you know Honey Badger is a bit more of a known commodity uh, and as such I think quarterbacks will avoid him I think that the rookie will uh, get tested a little bit you know it's kind of like you know at the very beginning quarterbacks are more than happy to test Marcus Peters and then they paid for it and then all of a sudden guess what not throwing at him anymore (laughs) because they knew he was going to come take the ball away uh, I think you'll see a similar thing with Thornhill where you know he'll have, you know, four interceptions by mid season and then one through the back half and people will be like, why he you know, why did he fall off? It's like, no, he didn't. They just started throwing the ball at Travarius Ward instead. So we'll see what happens.
0: Uh Enrique asked another question. He said, Are you gonna organize a meetup uh for the Chiefs and Raiders game in Vegas next year? No. Uh, guys, I'm not famous or anything. I'm not, like like by the way, I have like friends some of them who you I'm know i'm gonna zach, say maybe some of them who you know zach who, when they talk about my facebook page they go dude i really like your fan page i'm like no stop that's not a fan page it's a podcast page i don't have i mean fans. it's kind of a fan page N- no it's not <laughs> it is not um, i
1: appreciate your modesty
0: yeah and I, I don't mean, have fans it could i have fans be of, kind of fun to get. well yeah
1: yeah because let's be real like they're my fans. What are you talking about,
0: Fars? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally not serious. Because Zach is organizing a, a uh, get together
0: in Vegas. No, obviously
1: um, the uh, podcast had quite the followership long before I joined. I'm just you know, lucky to be here. But uh, I mean, I don't know why we wouldn't pull something like that if we happened to have the opportunity I'm, to go I don't see a know. game. Yeah. You know.
0: Uh, I don't think anyone. Look, I mean, if you see me or and I, I don't. I want to speak for Zach, but I'm. He, I mean, Zach's a cool dude. I mean, if you ever run into us and you know what we look like, just say hi. We'll grab a drink. We'll we'll have fun. Uh, that that I'm not gonna do no meet and greet. No one's gonna come to that.
1: Um, uh, we'll move well, on. No, but like you know, if we just happened <laughs> to go watch, you know, like hey, we'll tag up at this bar before the game. Like worst case scenario, that's just you and I getting beers. Uh, best case scenario, there's lots of people there grabbing beers, so I see no issue with that.
0: I mean, I, I kind of mentioned I, I I might be at a certain Chiefs bar next year in Vegas or this year rather. I don't know why I keep saying next year. Uh, well, the question was for next year, but yeah, maybe Blue Diamond Saloon. I, I I might be there for uh, the week 17 game. Uh, Jamie says, "Will our offense? Uh, what will our offense do? Excuse me, uh, if and when Mahomes has a drastic decline in production this year." Is the talent around him enough to compensate a below-average defense? Uh, I mean, look, I don't think Mahomes is going to decline in production. And even if he does, you know, let's say Mahomes does have a a step-back year. I mean, look, it's just bound to happen. And if he plays for, what, 15, 20 years? Yeah, everyone's going to have a bad year uh, year once in a while. Um, And even so, if that's the case, like, let's say that this year happens to be the year. Uh, Look, I think the Chiefs have so many great weapons that we're... You know they can pick pick up for Mahomes and you know let the running game take over for a while, but I don't anticipate to, that to be the case. I, I think Mahomes still going to be a dominant quarterback this year and as far as the other question, is the talent around him enough to compensate a below average defense? Okay, I don't know if I'm understanding that question exactly. Zach, are you with me on that question?
1: I, I think I understand where they where, where they're coming from here. I think that you know ultimately it's you, know, do we have enough talent on the offensive side? If Mahomes isn't, you know, otherworldly like he was last year, you know, if he's just, you know, really good instead of completely elite, you know, do we have enough weapons to, you know, kind of get us over the hump there? Because we don't expect the defense to be that good. Oh, okay, okay. That's how I'm interpreting that. And the answer to that, I think, is, I mean, I I think so. Uh, I don't think he's going to drop off too too much. I think it ultimately comes down to what a drastic decline looks like. You know, if he turns into Blake Bortles overnight, yeah, we probably aren't going to make that work. But uh, yeah, I think that realistically, it's not something we need to worry about. So
0: I'm not gonna. You know what? When uh, leading up to the AFC Championship game, I was listening to sports talk radio in Boston. And they were talking about some. A fan called in and said, "You know, they're not impressed with Patrick Mahomes because any other quarterback could go in there and and have success." And immediately the host said, "Slow down, Blake Bortles. No way in hell does he put up great numbers. It doesn't have to be fifty touchdowns, but no way in hell does he succeed with Tyree Kill, I mean, Sammy he Watkins, put and up Kelsey." Thirty-five. I, I mean, yeah, thirty. Which he, by the way, I believe he did that uh, with his own teammates at uh, one time. So look. Um, I think even before Mahomes, Kelsey and, and and Hill were doing great things with Alex Smith. But when Mahomes got in there, they had career highs and Mahomes was doing big things. Look, I, I said this before. I want to see the day where Mahomes is succeeding without Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill. Hopefully that's not anytime soon. But I'd be interested to see how does Mahomes do that. Uh, uh, Peyton Manning succeeded with so many targets. Tom Brady... I mean, people keep saying, oh, he doesn't have this player, that player.
1: What are I mean, you talking about? Tom Brady has succeeded with the same targets always. They all well, look the same. let me say this.
0: Let me say this. In the Super Bowl, the one we discussed earlier, uh, the comeback against the Falcons, he did yeah. that without Gronk.
1: So, listen. But he but he, ne- he has Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola. Like, he hasn't you know, always all those had guys, those guys. You know, I mean, but he's always had, you know variations on the theme like they're all like the, the key thing here and i know everybody's just gonna assume that i'm going you know oh yep tom brady and his you know little scrappy white kid uh receiver is like don't get me wrong i get where you're coming from <laughs> there because like that's that is a thing but what i actually mean by it is that the one thing that most of them have in common and this is actually part of the reason that the chiefs have had some success um you know it's part of the reason that kelsey is uh as good as he is too a lot of these guys played quarterback before Uh, and so they're able to anticipate exactly the way that you know Tom is going to do things, and so that's part of the reason they're good. Uh, and so you know, while he's had differing you know versions of the exact same weapon, it's been basically the exact same weapon.
0: Last question from Facebook, and then we'll move over to Twitter, and then the text line. Pep says, "I see major potential in Daryl Williams." Uh, Darwin Thompson seems like they have way more upside than a broken-down LaShawn McCoy. Why sign him? And I hope I'm wrong about McCoy, but I can't recall a wore-out running back coming back once their legs are done, they're done. But I haven't put too much thought into that either. Like I said earlier, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we did discuss this, LaShawn McCoy is not your starting running back. He's not someone that you are you know, putting pressure on and relying to carry the football 20 times a game. It's, it's a running back guy by, by committee still. That's still the way this offense is going to operate. And it's again, you, let's not forget, you have this guy named Patrick Mahomes. You have guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. It's not like Sean McCoy is here to save the offense. He's here to help an already great offense. No one, there's no pressure on anybody to lift this football team by themselves. You're you've got one another to rely on, and I think that's the great thing about bringing in a guy like McCoy. If if you if you told me McCoy's here to save this football team, yeah, I'm I'm concerned, but that's not the case with McCoy.
1: I think you're right, and the other thing that's incredibly important to note here, I mean, don't be me wrong. I think that you know Darwin Thompson especially has plenty of potential, uh, but I think that the other thing you know I don't I wouldn't write off McCoy that quick because ultimately you know. There's only so many years in an NFL running back's career where he can absolutely make something out of nothing. Uh, I mean, Jamal Charles, we all watched was one of the best at this. You know, he, he ran behind some trash offensive lines in his career uh, and still managed to have amazing seasons doing it, uh, which I think is part of what made him so uniquely, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes him a deserving, honestly, of a hall of fame bid. I know there are people who who are going to disagree with me about that. That's fine. But, you know, you look at what he did behind who he, you know, behind who he had to run behind. I think that, you know, the fact that LaShawn McCoy, you know, managed to, uh, you know, get three some odd yards per carry behind, you know, effectively turnstiles. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to come in here and be Jamal Charles in his prime either, because he's not. Uh, but I don't think it's that big of a problem. A, it's by committee. B, I think he's going to be able to teach the young guys some things and C, He's going to be able to do a whole lot more than he did last year in Buffalo, not because his legs are any more or less worn out than they were before, but because he's not going to be relied on to do it all by himself. He's got the offensive line who's going to open some holes for him, so it's going to be all right.
0: Uh, Switching over to the Tweet Machine, Uh, first tweet comes from... at. Gondfather, do you think the Chiefs will wait until closer to the trade deadline to pick up a quarterback, for example, a team that tanks and decides to have a fire sale for draft picks? You know what? A lot of people are bringing up Xavier Howard and how the Chiefs need to go after him uh, and make a trade with uh, Miami, but that guy just signed a five-year deal, and it's not easy. And and people are saying, well, assuming the the Dolphins keep his contract... No, no, no. You're not going to sign a guy for five years for millions and millions of dollars and then trade him and still pay his contract. Uh, it's just not, I mean, it, realistically, it's not a tradable thing uh, unless you restructure that months after you make that five-year deal. Um, I don't know. It It's a very hard question to answer now because we don't know exactly what's going to happen four or five weeks from now, who's doing good, who's not, and which cornerbacks are going to be available. Uh, which cornerbacks are going to be on the trade block. I, I don't anticipate uh, any uh, any trades uh, from the Chiefs um, and before the trade deadline. I mean,
1: I, I, it wouldn't shock me uh, just because, I mean, Brett Veach has proven over his time as GM to be opportunistic. When there's a chance that, you know, steps up, I mean, he takes it. Uh, whether you know, that's at the cornerback position or, you know, he's reached – you know tr- he's been more than willing to uh more than willing to trade draft picks for you know different pieces that he's thought were good fits for us and so i think it comes down to two things one what's available come trade deadline two have our corners looked like they've made any level of improvements uh since they you know or since the beginning of the year and so it'll be interesting to see what takes place i certainly wouldn't rule it out uh but You know, it also wouldn't shock me to see someone like, you know, like a Patrick Peterson, for example, uh, you know, being available at the, you know, at the deadline just because, I mean, he's going into the last year of his contract. You know, the Cardinals are probably not making the playoffs this year. Maybe they will, but I wouldn't, I'm certainly not betting on it. Uh, So, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of my take on that. It wouldn't shock me for a minute. Plus, then, realistically, I think we'd have, like, the entire LSU uh, secondary from... (laughs) uh you know one of those years when uh i don't know i don't remember if they made it to the title game that year um uh, but wouldn't shock me to uh you know see that you know l s u reunion plus heck then you can bring up less miles from lawrence too just yeah not too far. Measure.
0: No, not too far. Uh He asked another question. He says, oh, was it me or did McCoy's press conference have a different vibe than most? Not only is he truly happy to be here, but that mention of the team chemistry, Casey seems to have something really special happening now. Guess we'll know for sure in February. Look, as far as chemistry goes, I mean, these guys, a few of these offensive players were on vacation together with Chris Conley. So you, you get the vibe that these guys love each other on and off the field. As far as McCoy's press conference, yeah, he did seem really happy to be here. He really did. Um... Now, unrelated note, he actually sounds like a guy who could be a very good broadcaster when in his, whenever his career is over with, but yeah, I mean, he definitely, I think what helps is you're reuniting with the guy that drafted you. The guy drafted you because he really wanted you, and here he is again, it's like he's drafting you again to the second football team because he really wants you that badly, so yeah, I can understand the, uh, the positive vibe for, that you felt from him because he's reuniting with the guy who essentially recruited him for a second time now.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that does bear mentioning here is the way that I mean, it's it's not just one thing. It's a combination of all of it. You know, it's you know, you've got Mahomes obviously and the leadership tone that he sets. Uh I think that certainly bears mentioning. Uh and then obviously Andy even more so setting the tone from the top. Uh and the way that he's always kind of been that player's coach. And then the other part is that frankly, like, you know, if I was someone like LaShawn McCoy, which is to say a running back who you know, does pretty well in space. Still has some pretty good speed, but let's be honest. My best years are probably behind me. Where else would you want to play other than in an Andy Reid offense? I mean, that's a no-brainer. So I think that it's you know it's a combination of all those things. And I I mean, to be fair, I didn't get to see the press conference, so I don't know what that has to do uh, in terms of you know what what vibe it set or didn't. he, he I was, think ultimately he was very
0: just, he was very upbeat, and he was. Really honest about what had happened in uh, Buffalo with the offensive line there.
1: Well, I think that's refreshing in and of itself to you know, hear people be completely honest in an NFL press conference. You don't that get that happen often. a lot, uh, and I think that you know it just goes to show the the way that you know, the players do genuinely appreciate playing for Andy. And I think that you know it's got to be just genuinely fun. The just the system that they run, being able to play with someone like Mahomes who tends to raise the level of you know, everybody around him and really the way that Andy raises the level of all the players in his system. I mean, you know, you've seen the stats for what happens with running backs in his system. Yeah, you know, they succeed. It's just what they do.
0: At Fetus413, can this offense be stopped? Yeah, they could. They can be, uh, but I don't think they will. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, 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 that's really all I have to say to that.
1: Can it be stopped? No. Can it be slowed down? I think so.
0: I think I think you know they got it th- they got it through a couple of slow starts before, and I'm wondering with experience can that get better? That's what I think. Um, at Doctor Mario Pepper, I like that name. Uh, can the defense keep up with the offense? If the offense is explosive, then I am worried about how much time the defense will be on the field, making the defense tired. In uh, Sorry, tired later in games and creating a chance for opposing teams. You know what? We were kind of just talking about that. Um, with the, with the Falcons comparison in the Super Bowl a few years ago or a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, it, it, it depends how your defense is going to respond. Are they going to be tired that they have to go back on the field two plays or, or on a short drive? Cause you'll see that with this offense. And then on top of that, you know, will they respond differently with exuberance going back to the field? you know, so you got a new defensive coordinator and I think that's going to be the big difference maker as to how this defense is going to do because let's be honest, I mean, time of possession, it's not going to it's not going to be even with the Chiefs because the offense is great, you're probably going to see a lot of quick scores. Defense is going to be on the field a lot.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, you know, just to kind of rehash what we mentioned earlier, the other thing that, you know, I think needs to be mentioned here is that this is where depth tremendously comes into play. I mean, I think we've got decent depth along the defensive line, uh, and really just kind of in the front seven as a whole. I'm not sure what I think about the cornerback depth as we've discussed. And ultimately I think that's really where, you know, you might see some, you know, you might see the defense start to fray a little bit because the way that, you know, it's designed, I'm willing to bet very, very good money that we're rotating defensive linemen in and out all the time. Uh, and to a lesser extent, I think we're going to do the same thing at the linebacker position. Um. can we do that at the secondary? I'm not totally sure we can, and that's where I have more cause for concern.
0: At BQ Chicken 2 7, everyone is talking about the cornerbacks. Uh let's talk about the linebackers coming in. Ragland can't be the answer. When that man played the fourth game and still got beat often, doesn't that tell us one of us one of these don't belong? Um You know, I, I think Ragland is going to do better in the 4-3. I think Hitchens is going to do better in the 4-3. Ragland has never played in the 4-3, but he has practiced in the 4-3 back when he was with the Bills. He did have an injury before the regular season, so he's never been able to play a regular season game in the 4-3 in the NFL. Hitchens has, and he succeeded very well in that before coming to Kansas City. So uh, I know he was asking more about Ragland, but I think the switch to the 4-3, and again, Spags being another guy, there, another factor, I think it's going to definitely get these guys to improve in 2019.
1: I mean, I think that, you know, maybe Ragland improves, maybe he doesn't. I'm not totally, you know, bought in on that. I think that more likely what you'll see happen is, you know, your three linebackers are going to be a combination of Wilson, Hitchens, and Darren Lee. Uh, And I think that they'll do just fine. You know, did we cut Ragland? No. Did I think we would at the beginning? Obviously I did. I think I made that comment more than a few times uh, throughout the summer. And do I think that he's ultimately, you know, I don't think he's a bad player, don't get me wrong. Do I think that, you know, ultimately, Ragland is you know, limited? Yes. Is he a bad linebacker? No. Would he have been a great linebacker in, say, you know the late 90s, early 2000s, when it was pretty smash-mouth football? Absolutely. Like He would have been one of the best in the league at that. Uh, but today's NFL is not that NFL anymore. So you know, does he have a place? Sure. But is his play going to make or break this team? Absolutely not
0: um i'm gonna combine the next two at zach takes why don't they have any more cornerbacks and at karak suck why in capital letters why did we get mccoy and not a cornerback fush Kultars. kiltars yeah, uh, that's
1: what happens when your cat steps on your computer keyboard
0: yeah that or you punch your keyboard um look we addressed the whole mccoy thing as far as you know, not having enough cornerbacks, that's a very good question. I don't know. I think part of it has to do with um, Morris Claiborne coming back, but that's four weeks away. You can't just sit here and play with four cornerbacks for four weeks. Um, you know, injuries could happen. Terrible play, and to the point where you need someone else. Um, that's really all I can say about that. I I'm not really that's the one thing I'm very critical of with this coaching staff is that you only have four cornerbacks in a pass-heavy league, you you're not going to live like that. No.
1: And that I mean frankly from where I'm sitting that indicates to me that they probably have something cooked up. Not sure what it is yet, but they I don't think they're going to ride with that for that long. I really don't. Um but ultimately the other thing that Barry's mentioning here who who among the cornerbacks that we've seen signed would you have wanted?
0: Yeah, that's a great I mean, question. I mean, we say this a lot, but who's available? That's another thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I mentioned I think on Twitter, you know, Tease Tabor, who was a you know second round I think draft pick out of Florida and looked really good, who's you know, had some injury struggles and uh, never really got a chance to get his footing in Detroit. You know, maybe he's a reclamation project, but. I'm trying to think of other corners along the line that I'd really want, and I'm struggling to come up with them.
0: This is the last question from Twitter, and then we'll go to the text line. We only have a couple of texts, and I know we've been doing this for a long time. Last Twitter question, at Powercat Zach. Everyone's name is Zach. Uh, where do they end up... And yet we all uh, spell it differently. Yeah, everyone spells it differently. Where do they rank? Uh, end up ranked defensively, and can Mahomes throw 50 touchdowns again? Does he throw 50 touchdowns again? I... D- I don't know. Uh that is a very hard thing to do. I think he's gonna have it in the forties for sure. 45 is my guess. Um it's gonna be pretty damn close. I think he has somewhere between 45 and 50. Where do they rank defensively? I know I said top ten. Um getting closer to the season, I don't know if I'm as optimistic, but I think they'll be just outside the top ten. I think they'll be I, I think they might be tenth at best, and then at worst, probably a mediocre defense. I know others aren't as optimistic but that's where i stand.
1: Yeah, i'd say defensively in terms of the rankings, yeah, i'd say, you know, if you can get me between 18 and like, you know, 11, i'm okay with that because i think Mahomes can throw for 50 touchdowns again. Do i think that he will? I mean, it wouldn't shock me, it really wouldn't. Uh but i'd guess you know, somewhere, you know, I, I, if he was less than 43, i'd be pretty surprised. I mean, i know obviously the bookies disagree with me there. But uh, that's okay. We can let them continue to disagree. Uh, I think that he absolutely can do it. I think that you know you'll see him somewhere in between, you know, forty-three and fifty is my guess. Uh, and defensively, yeah, probably you know eighteen to fifteen is more likely. But I'll give him upside to eleven.
0: Uh, let's go to the text line nine one three eight zero eight two one one nine. That is the. Text line there. You can also leave a voicemail on the same number. Uh, Enrique from Gladstone in the 816. All right, he already asked a couple of questions through Facebook. Uh, he asked three questions on here. I'm only going to read one. Let me skim through and see which one of the three are good. Uh, I mean, they're all decent questions. But we we, all, the we first talked about the, the defense relevant. quite a bit. Um, I'll read the first one. What do you see as the biggest obstacle this year for the Chiefs? I think for me, uh, last year they didn't get off to a good start in four of their five losses. The f- the other loss that they have, were they got off to a great start. They actually got off to, they finished terribly. That was the Chargers game. The other games they lost, it was because of a, a very slow start. you got to find a way to play good football for four quarters. And that, to me, can this Chiefs football team do that? Because... I remember in 2016, they would play great football for just one quarter, and that miraculously would be enough in some games. You're not going to be able to do that if you want to get to a Super Bowl, though. And this Chiefs football team needs to find a way to play good football for four quarters. And again, I think with Mahomes' experience, one year under his belt, two years technically because his rookie year he only started one game, uh, I, I think the Chiefs will improve in getting off to better starts and prevent... Bad starts like uh, like they had a couple of times last year because of experience.
1: So I think while well, I've obviously harped on our cornerbacks plenty, and I stand behind all of that criticism, uh, I think that one of the biggest obstacles for us this year is actually going to be our rush defense. Not necessarily because they're you know not going to be that great, but my biggest question here is you know if I'm an opposing team game planning against the Chiefs, I mean you know that Mahomes and crew are going to get theirs they will so what's the best way to stop them from hanging 40 on you keep them on the sidelines run the ball control it uh, and you know make it hard for you know make it hard for the Chiefs defense to get off the field Um, you know wear them out and in doing so also keep Mahomes off the field so I think that that you know if more teams do something like that it you know it's going to keep games closer than our offense otherwise would have it
0: Mike and Lee Summit, uh, we have Dat and Mel returning from suspensions. Who do you see becoming roster casualties? Uh, the Chiefs have five running backs right now, and quite honestly, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I Tremont Smith, I will say, uh, I think there's confusion as to whether or not he's listed as a cornerback or a running back. I think there was confusion with that on the Chiefs' latest roster release. Uh, from what I saw on social media, I think Tremont Smith is a, a, a roster casualty at this point. Uh, I think you have plenty of options on special teams and you have other options at running back and at cornerback. So I think, you know, D. Anthony Thomas comes back, Tremont Smith will go. And, and you can use that in the backfield if you need to at times. Uh, Tyreek Hill, too, you can do that as well. Uh, as far as who's going to be the cap casualty for Morris Claiborne, I'll stick with the running backs, man. Uh, I like Daryl Williams, but I don't think he has a lot of value for this football team. Considering what you have now, uh, I know we came to like him and appreciate him, but listen, the chiefs found someone better. Yeah. That's just the way the it works sometimes. So those are my two ca- casualties on the roster.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, I, I totally agree on the, uh, you know, D'Anthony Thomas for Trayvon Smith, uh, switch. That wouldn't shock me for a minute. Uh, and I guess you know, as I'm thinking through who would be the casualty for Claiborne, maybe an offensive lineman. But I mean, would I sign up for it being Darwin Williams? Uh, not Darwin. Sorry, <laughs> Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Daryl Williams get cut, uh, just because we it's it's not a position of need. We're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and can he do some things out of the backfield? Sure, but can he do them better than the other three? I don't think so. Um, and that's just you know. Like you said, that's life in the NFL, man. So,
0: and I will say this too: injuries are going to come up in these next four weeks. Unfortunately, it happens. So, uh, you know, ask us the same question right before Moe's suspension ends, and we could have a, a, a different uh, answer for you for sure. Uh, last question from the three three six Michael in North Carolina: Should we trade Daryl Williams for a cornerback? Uh, and then he also says over oh, under seven hundred fifty rushing yards for Shady McCoy. I say nine hundred yards for him. Uh, I'll say just a little bit over on that one for McCoy. As far as the Daryl Williams trade su- suggestion, what value does he bring? And if you're going to trade for a cornerback, you're not going to get... I mean, you're going to get, like, what, a, a guy who barely made the roster? So, if you're trading Daryl Williams for a cornerback, you're not getting a quality cornerback in return, and that's not what the Chiefs need right now. So, I say no. For I don't think he has any trade value there.
1: I mean... If you have the chance, I mean, why wouldn't you roll the dice? I suppose, yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, the the odds of, you know, let's just say that you have the cornerback equivalent of Daryl Williams, right, in terms of talent, uh, yeah, I would take that guy, simply because you know, the slightly lesser talented person is way more likely to see the field at cornerback for this team as opposed to running back. That's just a fact. Uh, and so absolutely I would take that trade just cause I don't see Williams really making the field that much as far as the, the over under for shady's rushing yards. I, I mean, I think I'll actually take the under for the 750 rushing yards. If you're giving me all purpose yards, that's a different discussion. Uh, but I think, you know, rushing wise the combo of the fact that I don't think we're going to really run the ball that much. I mean, we will obviously, but not tons. Um, uh, I think the combo of the fact that it's going to be a primarily passing offense, and the fact that uh, you know we've got a pretty full backfield there, I'm going to take the under.
0: Appreciate all of your guys's questions on Facebook, Twitter, the text line. You guys delivered. We'll definitely do this again sometime. facebookcom again twittercom And at Z Stegena and nine one three eight zero eight two one one nine. All right, uh, we're not going to do our closing segments, but what we will do. We'll do a uh, a 2019 NFL preview segment, starting with the NFC. Let's go to the East. You've got the Dallas Cowboys. And by the way, this is going to be an order as to how it went down last year. You had the Cowboys. And look, it sounds like Zika's coming back. Um, They've got a really great defense. But my thing is, Dak Prescott, not really the most consistent guy in the NFL. But you've got a really good defense. That kind of makes up for it. The Eagles... 9-7, 9-7, and seven. okay. Carson Wentz, a very talented guy. And listen, maybe we can talk about an Eagle Super Bowl run. But you've got to see consistency with Carson Wentz. Not just with his health, but also just his ability. His rookie year, he had an up and down season. Uh, there were some games where he looked like an MVP. Some games didn't look good at all. Uh, the Redskins, I mean, you're you're trying to figure out who you want between Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, for crying out loud. And as far as the Giants go, similar situation where you've got Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. We'll see if they do go or they try to use that Casey model. Uh, and, and, I, and I like their offensive coaching staff. Uh, Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, they've got some good guys there, some good offensive-minded guys. But I don't know if that will really help this Giants team so much in 2019.
1: I mean, so... As far as I'm concerned on that, you'll I'll be shocked if you don't see Daniel Jones by week eight. Just because, from I mean, you know what I can tell thus far, the the media in this town is decently vicious, uh, and the fans are similarly so. Just because you know, it, I'll be honest, if I was a fan, I don't, I wouldn't be that excited to watch Eli Manning flounder around for one last year. Uh, when Daniel Jones has lit up the preseason. So I think he'll play. I think same kind of story goes for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I think the Eagles, realistically, they have, a, I mean, obviously not quite the uh, level of weapons that the Chiefs have, but if you look at just the depth at all three offensive skill positions there, the Eagles are going to be able to put some points on the board. Uh, and then the Cowboys, I think that, you know, are they a Super Bowl contender? Probably not. Are they enough to make it to the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think really you know, this is a division that's kind of split in half. You got the top two that you know are both you know the kind of anywhere from nine and seven to eleven and five type of teams, and then you got the bottom half, which are you know probably five and eleven at best.
0: Going to the NFC North, you've got the Bears that really had an easy time winning that division. Trubisky got off to a slow start, but eventually got going. Great defense. I heard Brian Urlacher on uh, SiriusXM earlier this week. They brought out the kicking situation, and he even chuckled and said, man, why do you got to bring that up? That could be the Achilles heel again for the Bears. That could prevent them from getting to that ultimate goal. The Vikings 8-7-1, and one, uh, and the Packers 6-9-1. and one. Funny how that worked out. Uh, look, the Vikings were a team that was destined a couple of years ago with Case Keenum, by the way. They've got a top-notch defense, and I really like Mike Zimmer, but he's got to find consistency with this Vikings team. The Packers, on the other hand, back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 1990 and 1991. Well, that's what happened uh, with uh with the high standards there. Coaches are out, and enter Matt LaFleur. As far as the Lions go, look—you have your franchise quarterback, but he has seen three different head coaches. Defense still good, even before Patricia got there. But you just got to get the ball rolling. You've you've got a lot of great pieces in place, but you don't play well as a unit. That's the problem in Detroit, right there.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. Though I think this is the sort of division that really, like, you know, I think that you see the winner of the division, you know, with maybe 11 wins, uh, in the back of the division with the. You know, maybe six like this is gonna be a pretty tight division Uh, I mean it always kind of has been Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings can come up with with Kirk Cousins slinging it around to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen Uh, I think you know they really have a chance to actually have a pretty solid offense but I don't know the Vikes just seem like the sort of team this year that just you know when it comes down to it do I think that they're going to be able to get it done in crunch time I just don't Uh, Packers are going to be really interesting to see I think they're the kind of team that's either going to be 10 and six or six and 10, not a lot of middle ground there just because it ultimately comes down to how well do Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur work together. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that they've got playoff upside for sure. And then the bears, it ultimately comes down to, you know, are they able to keep the same level of defense that they had last year, even though their defensive coordinator left, uh, can the offense take a couple more steps forward you know, can Trubisky continue to develop? I think they can, uh, you know, as far as the kicker is concerned, you know, hopefully they can you know, just back the Brinks truck up to San Francisco and convince Robbie Gold to come home. I don't know. Um, but regardless, I think that you know, they're just slightly better than everybody else in the division. But this is a tight division for sure.
0: Going over to the south, you have the Saints. And ever since Sean Payton and Drew Brees got there, it's been kind of inconsistent. But they've never been terrible in New Orleans. I think their worst has been 7-9 and nine on multiple occasions. Uh, the Falcons and the Panthers, both 7-9. Look, the Falcons, they just they just lost their confidence after that utterly horrible effort that we have brought up a couple of times in that Super Bowl. The Panthers, look, this is also a team that's been a little inconsistent lately. Ron Rivera, Cam Newton, that's a great head coach-quarterback duo, kind of similar to the Saints. Uh, they've been inconsistent at times, but just never terrible since you've had that duo there in the Bucs. Well... Jameis Winston played 11 games, had some great averages, the best he's had uh, in his career, passing and rushing. But that defense needs a lot of help there if you want to compete in that division there for the South.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, the Bucks, realistically, they're going for a top-five draft pick. It's happening. Uh, Panthers, I think, honestly, are going to be closer to the Bucks than the top of the division. I just don't think they have enough of what it takes to you know really move forward. And I think that a broken-down Cam Newton isn't necessarily the quarterback I'd want to run with. Um, we'll see how that continues to turn out. I think the Falcons will take a step back forward. I think, you know, instead of 7-9, and nine, they'll be closer to 9-7. and uh, they got plenty of offensive weapons. I think, you know, they're going to be able to, you know, move the ball down the field through the air for sure. And then the Saints are the Saints. I mean, they don't seem to have taken much of a step back at any position. So, it, you know, as long as they can keep Breeze healthy, I see no reason they shouldn't be back, you know, in the playoffs next year, the way that they were last year.
0: Last division in the NFC, the Rams, amazing season for them, but just a really horrible ending, putting up only three in the Super Bowl. And it was against a Patriots team that look, I mean, they did not look pretty at times in the regular season. They certainly looked beatable in that AFC championship game, and they definitely looked beatable in the Super Bowl. But hey, give the Patriots credit. They still did enough to win. The Rams absolutely came out flat in that football game. The Seahawks, Got Russell Wilson locked up long-term. You just added Jadavian Clowney to replace Frank Clark. Obviously, we know a little bit about that here in Kansas City. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the Seahawks go forward this year. And then you've got the 49ers. Everyone's big on this Jimmy Garoppolo comeback. But look, I get Garoppolo did some good things his first year there when he joined late. But last year, I mean, we weren't seeing much from Garoppolo. I'm not sold on Garoppolo. Absolutely not. in the Cardinals? Look, I like Kyler Murray. He has some Russell Wilson, some some Patrick Mahomes similarities. But the biggest question is Cliff Kingsbury. He did not do that great in the Big 12. And here he is as the head coach of the Cardinals. And I think that, you know, I think the Cardinals have the potential to surprise. But I, I'm not sold on Cliff King, Kingsbury, not in the least bit.
1: I think that the issue is less Cliff Kingsbury, and it's more the offensive line. I mean, thankfully, you have Kyler Murray who can move, but he's going to have to Um uh... And I think that, you know, like it or not, he's not that big of a guy. And so if he takes, you know, a few too many shots, it could look a little like, you know, Deshaun Watson did last year, except more broken. Uh, You know, the 49ers, I'm really just not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think their defense will be plenty salty. Uh, The Seahawks, you know, Russell Wilson's great. The defense is always decently strong. I just don't know who he has to throw to. You know, they're always going to be that solid, you know, between 10 and seven win sort of team and the Rams it'll be interesting to see how they rebound after that Super Bowl just because you know especially the way that that Super Bowl went yeah you know, that's the sort of thing that you know, can either be incredibly motivating or it can put you in a funk uh, and I'm thinking you know with the way that Sean McVay tends to coach I'm willing to bet that it'll you know motivate them and they'll be you know competing realistically probably right back up there again this year
0: but we'll see what happens the afc east as we switch conferences the patriots 11 and 5 they won the super bowl it didn't look pretty at times they lost two in a row in december and again brady at times did not look good either it was terrible in the super bowl but still one way or another they still keep winning uh they're beatable but they still find a way to keep winning the dolphins look ryan fitzpatrick is going to start and everyone's already going crazy for fitz magic stop i have seen this script twice in Buffalo and in Tampa Bay. And I mentioned this last year when people were going crazy about Fitzpatrick and I mentioned it happened in Buffalo. He got a contract extension in Buffalo for that. And we know how that ended. Uh, It might work for two weeks, but that's it. The bills. uh, Can Josh Allen get going? I I don't know. Uh, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, who we are familiar with in Kansas City, Leslie Frazier. Look, good stuff. And Dable has done some good things more recently in his career. Uh, but you still have a lot of things you got to work on. The Jets on our rundown, I forgot to even write anything down about the Jets, so I don't even know how relevant this Jets team is right now. Sure, you got Le'Veon Bell, but that's not going to save your season. It's definitely not. Uh, look, I think this one's kind of obvious. I think we know who still owns this division at the end of the day.
1: Well, I don't think the question of who owns the division is ever been in question. I mean, and I don't think it ever will be until you know, one or both of Brady and Velachek move on to, you know, retirement. Um, I think that, you know, the Jets, I think they're the second-place team in this division for sure. Uh, you know, are they able to, you know, be competing for a wild card at the end of the year? Wouldn't shock me. I think Sam Darnold's, you know, got some potential, and they've got some decent weapons with Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder and then obviously Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the Bills, I don't know. It's just the Bills. They're just always kind of going to be the Bills, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, I just don't think they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to be somewhere between, you know, four and seven wins, but never quite over the hump there. Uh, and then you have the Dolphins who are, you know, unless something changes dramatically uh, and the Bengals choose to, you know, just tank really hard. I mean, I think you're going to see the uh, Dolphins with the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft.
0: Going over to the AFC North, uh, the Ravens, look. You were 4-5 and five with Flacco, lost three straight. Lamar Jackson went 6-1 and one with the Ravens. His only loss was that Chiefs game in overtime where Patrick Mahomes had that crazy run in the fourth quarter on the final drive right there. So that's what it took uh, for you to have your only loss in the regular season. And I know people in the playoffs kept saying, put Joe Flacco back in there. No, you don't. You put the guy who put you in that position you're in right now. Forget about the Super Bowl from years ago. That was years ago. I mean, there's a reason why they made that switch. As far as the Steelers go, look, there's no excuses with the whole Le'Veon Bell absence. James Conner balled out, but Antonio Brown quit. Big Ben, he had a career high in touchdowns and yards, but also had the second most interceptions he's ever thrown in a single season. Mike Tomlin needs to have more control of this football team, and we'll see if he can do that without Antonio Brown. The Browns... This is going to be an interesting team. They had a weird season last year. I was a little shocked. Greg Williams did not get the head coaching nod. said it's Freddie Kitchens. But man, I like Johnny Manziel. He's going to end that quarterback drought for Cleveland. He will. And you've added Johnny so Manziel. Many, or excuse me, Johnny Manziel um, had his shot. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Thank you. Um, I
1: understand why you get them confused. Oh yeah, they there have are, similar tendencies.
0: There, there are so many. There are so many of them in Cleveland. Um, but thank you for that. And then the Bengals look. Zach Taylor, I don't want to be a hater, man. But that guy was a quarterback's coach. Um, he's replacing Marv Lewis, who's now with Herm Edwards, by the way, at ASU. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, if I had to say it right now, I think the Bengals are going to be the worst team in the NFL.
1: I mean, like I said you know, at the end of the you know, last little piece there, I mean, it's the Bengals and the Dolphins. They're competing in the toilet bowl, man. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, you know, the Browns, I think they're going to have some you – know, I, I think that – yeah, you know, they, they could sniff for a playoff spot for sure. um, I mean, maybe not winning the division necessarily, but that wouldn't shock me either. They've definitely got some pieces. The question ultimately comes down to whether or not they're able to, you know, keep all of the big personalities in that locker room in check. Um, yeah, you know, Steelers, I think it's a similar concern. I think they've gotten rid of some of those big personalities who helped derail their last season. Uh, I think that, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is an incredible wide receiver, and I think that... Yeah, you know, he's going to help Ben Roethlisberger produce at the same level we've always seen Ben Roethlisberger produce. The offensive line there is always consistent, and we obviously know that, you know, Connor can ball out. Uh, the Ravens are going to be the interesting one because they've lost a lot of pieces of that defense, most notably C.J. Mosley, who's now with the Jets. He was kind of their quarterback of that defense. And then they also lost Terrell Suggs. You know, he took his sizzle down to uh, Arizona. And so, I mean, that's two really big leaders on the defense. That'd be like, you know, I mean, I guess realistically, if you brought, you know, you lose Eric Berry and Justin Houston without bringing in the Honey Badger and Frank Clark, Um, I think that's kind of a good proxy for what the Ravens are looking like. Plus, I don't see much of a pass rush coming from them. So for them, you know, anything from, you know, kind of a six-win season to a nine-win season wouldn't surprise me. It's a question of how far Lamar Jackson can take him because he's an underrated passer. I mean, obviously, his speed coming out of the uh, pocket is incredible, but... He could throw the ball, too. People tend to forget it because he's such a dynamic athlete with the ball in his hands. But he could throw the ball, too. So he might be able to help that offense take a step or
0: two forward. Going to the south, the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, great rookie year, got injured last year, did great, but was sacked 62 times the most in the NFL. That was 14 away from the record, which David Carr holds. The Colts?
1: For the same team,
0: mind you. Uh The Colts, man, I don't know. Uh, Jacoby Brissett just got a two-year, $30 million deal. Uh, Good luck. Uh, Have fun watching college football. That's all I'm going to say. Titans, look at Mariota. He improved and declined in different areas. But there is not a lot of help on this offense. And Vrabel's got to do something about that. As far as the Jaguars go, look, really good defense. The big question is, how does Nick Foles do? He's great in the months of December uh, January and February, but he, you got to do you got to ha- have a great beginning, middle, and end. We haven't seen that from Nick Foles, but the Jaguars are obviously sold on him.
1: Yeah, I think that you know the Jags. I think they're gonna you know be competing. You know they're they're kind of a seven to nine win sort of squad. Uh the defense is pretty strong. I think Leonard Fournette's going to help take some of the pressure off Nick Foles, but I still have my doubts about the receiver room. Um, you know the Titans. Man, I feel like they're always, you know, somewhere between six wins and nine wins, without a doubt. Like but they've been like this for as long as I can remember. Um uh, this one I think is closer to you know, the seven and nine sort of range. I just don't think they've got that much. Uh, I mean Derrick Henry's pretty strong, obviously. I don't think they know who their quarterback's gonna be. Um, uh, you know, if Delaney Walker's healthy, he's always one of the low key better tight ends in the NFL, but I just don't see much out of him. But Are they enough to beat the Colts? Maybe. Uh, Are they enough to beat the Jags? I don't think so. The Colts are another one that it's really hard to judge. It's a question of can Jacoby Brissett really keep things moving? Because they've got some good pieces there, but losing Andrew Luck honestly takes them from the top of this division to arguably possibly the bottom uh, just because, I mean, Luck was that good of a talent. And honestly, having not watched much of Jacoby Brissett, I'm not totally sure what they've gotten him. Whereas the Texans, I mean, with all the trades they've just made, most notably, you know, bringing in Laramie Tunsil to keep Deshaun Watson from, you know, going in the same way that Andrew Luck did, which was you know into an early retirement because he got sacked too much. Uh, I mean, I think that the Texans are going to be right up there making a run. Like they'll, I think they absolutely should win their division. If they don't, I'd be pretty surprised. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what sort of uh, ceiling the Texans really have this year.
0: Yeah, they were definitely the busiest team during the uh, 53-man roster cut, making a lot of trades over the weekend. Uh, Final division, the division everyone's familiar with listening to the podcast. The Chiefs and the Chargers both tied with a 12-4 record. The Chiefs, amazing offense, not so amazing defense, but the key thing I'm pointing out with the Chiefs, they were never blown out in any of their losses. Worst loss was by seven, and that was to Seattle. The Chargers, great season. Uh, but what was that effort against a play, uh, in, uh, in New England in the playoffs? I mean, they really fell flat similar to how the Rams fell flat in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, th- you have an amazing season like that and you have such a terrible ending and it's such a disappointment for it to end that way. You definitely want to come out better. Uh, the Broncos drew locks out for at least eight games. And I know that's a player. A lot of people are keeping an eye on because he went to Mizzou Flacco. Uh, I mean, look, you lost to a guy, a rookie quarterback that not necessarily the greatest. I know he had a great win-loss record, but man, uh, as far as, you know, what does he have left in the tank? That's my biggest question with him. And the Raiders, John Gruden has a lot to do, and maybe the Raiders can be a surprising team if this whole connection with Karin Antonio Brown goes perfectly well. And I think that's a big if, but I can entertain the possibility of that happening.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing that I'd mention is that the defense looks like they're going to be fairly strong. Not sure what I think of Josh Jacobs, the new running back they brought in. Uh, but then Darren Waller is uh, the tight end for them, who uh, I think is absolutely a sleeper. I don't know how much hard knocks you've been watching. Uh, but, yeah, he could provide a viable second weapon for uh, Derek Carr there uh, behind Antonio Brown. Do I think it's enough to get him to you know the playoffs? I don't. Uh, but, you know, with the Raiders, especially with the – you know, kind of volatility that is that locker room. Really, nothing between you know, kind of three and eight wins would surprise me. Uh, and I think that kind of goes the same for the Broncos. It's a question of you know, can their offense do enough? Their defense should be perfectly strong, uh, but can their offense do enough to keep them in games? I mean, like I said, you know, when we did a cup when we did the predictions a few weeks back of you know the Chiefs' record over the course of the year, I actually had them losing in mile high and i stand behind that cuz i mean partly cuz it's in you know mile high on a short week but still the broncos are a strong team uh stronger than you know we probably give them credit for and philip lindsay's a good little running back uh chargers it's ultimately going to come down to how healthy are they and you know can they keep Phillip rivers healthy because their offensive line is bad they're real bad not quite as bad as our corners but they're bad um and then the chiefs yeah we've talked quite a bit about them i think we're going to win that division for sure um uh, and you know as long as our offense continues to produce you know a similar clip to what it did last year i think we're going to have an exciting season cuz i think the defense is going to take a step forward and uh yeah it's a good year to be a chiefs fan
0: let's uh go ahead and put these predictions in place uh 1 through 6 for the nfc let's start there i've got number 1 the bears number 2 the rams 3 the cowboys Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of on edge about, uh, about the, uh, about Dak Prescott, but I think he'll end up doing more positive than negative. And then number four, I have at the Panthers. I think they can dethrone the Saints and win their division there. And I have the Saints as a wildcard team. And I think the team that'll surprise the most is going to be the Cardinals. I think they'll be the dark horse team in the NFL in 2019. I've got the Eagles barely missing. Look, I just don't have confidence with the inconsistency in Carson Wentz, that's what bothers me the most, and I, ca- I I just can't come to the conclusion of putting them in the playoffs. So I have them barely missing out on the playoffs.
1: Wait, so you just put the Cardinals in the playoffs? Is that what I just heard?
0: Yes, that's, yeah, you heard that right.
1: Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, I love the hot takery there. I know we weren't doing that segment, but I like how you got it in anyway.
0: You got to have some surprises.
1: Absolutely, and you definitely did.
0: All right, uh, so who do you I mean, have?
1: So... I had the Saints, uh, then the Rams, uh, I had the Eagles taking their division. I mean, I think that realistically it's going to be, you know, a 10 win, nine win thing between them and the Cowboys. Um, then the Bears, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back defensively, uh, but they're still definitely going to win that division. I had the Packers also making it, uh, as one of the wild cards and then the Cowboys, um, I think that, like you said, you know Pres- Prescott's going to do more harm than good. Amari Cooper's plenty strong, and then you know again, the defense is incredibly talented, as we've mentioned. So I think that, yeah, the Cowboys and the Eagles are both going to end up in the playoffs out of that division.
0: All right, switching over to the AFC, I think we both are going to be in agreement with one and two, the Chiefs and the Pats. Uh, three, I've yep. got the Texans, and so far this is kind of looking like a repeat of last year, but this is where things change for me. Number four, I've got it. Uh, I've got the Browns. I think they're going to do some great things, and I think they're winning that division. I know people don't like that prediction, but I think that's how it's going to go down. And then the Ravens, I've got them as a wild card team. Uh, I like their defense, and I think Lamar Jackson will learn. A, hopefully, he's learned a lot this offseason season and can put it to good use in the regular season. And I've got the Chargers, maybe not as good as they were last year, but I think still good enough to make it to the playoffs. I got the Steelers falling short again, maybe just maybe you've got a team like the Raiders that can surprise here and there because you and I were saying before the podcast we started recording, there are not a lot of great teams in the AFC right now. Now, sure, injuries are going to happen. The Colts, obviously, with the luck retirement, that definitely plays a role. But I think that does open the door for someone to maybe become a surprise team. And maybe it's just going to be the Raiders. I hate to say it, but I think they are capable of at least competing, but they'll fall short of a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right on that. I mean, yeah, one through four, we're all in accord. You know, Chiefs, Pats, Texans, Browns. Uh, I think that that's, you yeah, know, the, the, the north is where it gets messy, especially for you know, the way I was looking at things. It really wouldn't shock me if all three, or, you know, if that's a division that's able to get three uh, teams in, just because I the Chargers are the wild card for me, in that, and not that I had them in the wild card spot. I have them as one of many teams fighting for it. I'm just not sure about the health of that team. Uh, but what I ended up writing down, you know, when I made the decision was, uh, you know, Chiefs, Pats, Texans, Browns, uh, Steelers, Chargers. Would it shock me to have the Ravens in instead of the Steelers? Nope, sure wouldn't. Uh, would it shock me to see them in, instead of the Chargers? Nope. Uh, I think the Jags and Jets each could maybe make a case for, uh, you know, taking that last wild card spot. But I mean, ultimately, it comes down to you know, the first four in the AFC are pretty, you know, pretty easy to peg. But after that, it's a whole lot of confusing. And then of course there's the people who will be competing for, you know, the top pick in the draft, which is like you know, the Bengals, the uh
0: Dolphins, and to a lesser extent the Bills. Alright, so let's go to our conference championship games. I know a lot of people are expecting a repeat of last year's Conference Championship Sunday. Uh let's start with the NFC, because I know a lot of people are expecting Saints Rams again. I don't think either of them will make it to the NFC Championship game this time. Sem- I've got the Bears over the Cowboys. And look, I was not going to put the Cowboys, but given the, I thought Zeke was going to pull a Levy on Bell, but given the news we were hearing recently that Zeke is coming back and all, I think we're, I think we're going to see the Cowboys do make some noise, uh, this year, but I think they're going to fall short. I don't think it's going to be enough to get them to the Super Bowl. The Bears, on the other hand, I like their defense, and I like Mitchell Trubisky and what he's doing, and I think he'll be able to lead the Bears to a Super Bowl, and on the AFC side, I've got Chiefs over the Pats. Uh, Look, I know we're maybe a little biased there, but I think it's going to be a repeat, and I think Mahomes and the Chiefs will learn their lesson, and and look, I like the Super Bowl matchup. Mahomes versus Trubisky, two young guys, same draft class uh, in the Super Bowl. Who do you have making it to your Super Bowl?
1: So... I guess to get to the uh, title games first, I actually had the Saints and the Bears. Um, I had to you know, make sure that I had the uh, bracket drawn up right on that. Uh, but or no, sorry, the Rams and the Bears. My bad. Um, I had the Saints and the Bears playing each other, and I had the Bears taking the edge on that. Uh, but I went ahead and gave the edge to the Rams because I think that you know with the way that they went down last year, I think that like I said, Sean McVay is going to you know come out and actually it just literally dropped while we were doing this podcast they just extended Jared Goff as well for what that's worth yeah they do. Uh, but uh I think the Rams will be back in the Super Bowl and uh you know if they hadn't moved out to LA I think you'd have yourself an I-70 Super Bowl but they moved to LA so we don't <laughs> um because you know uh, in the AFC I had it uh actually Chiefs over the Texans uh in the AFC title game I think the Texans could uh put a scare into the Patriots I mean the fun thing about that is is that yeah, that would mean you had you know, the Pats versus the Texans uh, and Chiefs versus the Browns in the divisional rounds. So you know, you get Mahomes versus Baker, and then you get Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson, uh, and then Mahomes versus Jared Goff to prove that you know, yep, the quarterback, uh, you know, guard is changing here in the NFL, and we have the best one. So
0: do we have uh, the same team winning the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, of course we do. This okay. is a Chiefs podcast after all
0: we we'll, uh we'll leave it at that. I will say this. This is on arrowheadaddict.com and we'll talk more about it on tomorrow's podcast. Five reasons why I think the Chiefs are going to go 19 and 0. And I know you guys are saying, "Wait a minute. Didn't you guys do a uh, schedule breakdown and we both went 13 and 3?" Yes, we did. I said they go 13 and 3. So I've got some explaining to do and I'll do that on tomorrow's podcast. But to wrap things up here, uh, our college football forecast. Uh, we'll do the KU uh, the local teams, KU, K State, and MU. Uh, but as I also want to do some uh, some of the other local teams nearby that people in Kansas City enjoy. So let's start with KU, the uh, closest team in Kansas City, Les Miles. Look, I like him. I'm excited for him. If he can't turn the surround, man, I don't know who can. I was excited for Charlie Weiss, an offensive minded guy. He could not get it done in a conference where defenses are terrible. So I guess it's up to Les Miles.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, what we saw, you know, while obviously, like, it wasn't, you know, a blowout or anything by any stretch of the imagination, what we saw last weekend was a team that found a way to win uh, and a coach who stood by his quarterback and let him make plays to, you know, get the game won. And I think that, you know, just that kind of calm, steady leadership uh, and the way that it's, you know, really the way that, you know, the team played hard for Les Miles. uh, I think that, you know, he's he's off to a good start to uh you know like i said last week i think you know we could you know very well start five and oh that was a hot take but you know why not we'll just double down on it uh (laughs) i think that yeah they're gonna make some progress under coach miles because i mean at this point you know he he knows how to build a winning college football program he just does um and i think that you know his his name and his kind of gravitas if you will there's a word um you know, I think that it absolutely lends him the credibility that he needs with recruiting uh, to be able to really turn this program around.
0: Move Obviously, over. I'm a homer. But. Going west now to Manhattan, Chris Kleiman making the big jump from North Dakota State, now coaching in the Big 12, replacing Bill Snyder new staff in place you got your junior quarterback skylar thompson who really needs to do more uh, on the field he had 9 touchdowns on 4 picks last year You're, you you got to have he played almost every game you got to get more production from your quarterback at the end of the day though
1: yeah and i think that part of that's just you know, it's a, it's in a it's an adjustment period it's a new offense uh and so i think that you know he'll he'll ultimately be all right uh you know skylar thompson's a plenty good quarterback i mean i think ultimately they're probably a four win team somewhere thereabouts I haven't looked at their schedule to figure out which four wins because I think this year we you know I think this year the Jayhawks do take back the Sunflower Showdown it seems like the sort of thing that Les Miles would absolutely I mean what was one of the things that he did at Oklahoma State he focused hard on winning that you know Bedlam rivalry Uh, and I think that you'll see him do something similar here with the Sunflower Showdown Uh, but you know both Kansas teams you have breaking in new coaches and I think that you know They're still going to—realistically, both are going to still be at the bottom of the Big 12 just because it's just the way it's shaken up this year.
0: Going over to the eastern side uh, with the local three teams, Missouri Tigers. Look, I get Barry Odom played at MU, and he's been part of the coaching staff since, what, 2003? But not every homegrown guy is cut out to be a head coach for their— alma mater they're just not he's 19 and 20 now the loss to wyoming put his uh career record below five uh, 500 as a head coach uh i'm just not uh, i'm just not sold on barry odom i'm not
1: i mean that's totally fair i think that you know realistically yeah it's never a good loss and you know, i mean you and i obviously know plenty about it having been kansas fans you know, losing to an fcs team is never no never fun but i mean realistically yeah, you know, the head coach at Wyoming is the guy who built North Dakota State's program, and you know, for those of you who don't follow college football too closely, North Dakota State is like the Alabama of the FCS. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're really, really consistently strong, uh, and so, I mean, it's not like they lost to some schlub, but I also think that yeah, if with with this, like Barry Odom's going to have to make and win a bowl game in order to keep his job.
0: All right, so outside of these local three teams, uh, there are four other teams that are pretty popular here in the Kansas City area. Let's start with Oklahoma, a lot of Sooner fans, Boomer Sooner. Look, the Bob Stoops era over, but guess what? They're still dominating, no problem. Lincoln Riley, in two years, produced quarterbacks that went number one overall two years in a row, won the Big and 12. And won the Heisman. Yeah, and they've won the Big 12 four years in a row now. Look, uh, they're, I believe, ranked uh, number four, I believe, in college football. So the national title is kind of on the horizon right now for the Sooners. A uh, lot of expectations here, and they're expected to really just roll through the Big 12 at this point.
1: And I think that's a totally fair expectation until someone steps up to stop them. I mean, I think, you know, he it wouldn't surprise me for a minute to see the... Heisman Street continue to run through Oklahoma, specifically at the quarterback position. Jalen Hurts is a stud. Uh, certainly a great college quarterback. Do I think that he's, you know, going to be the number one you know, draft pick? No, that, that streak breaks this year. Uh, but I think Hurts is going to do a nice job. You know, it's going to have them in the, uh, you know, in the playoff. Uh, but is it enough to, you know, get them over the top to actually get to the national title game and win it? I mean, there's a big part of me that would love to see Hertz in Oklahoma versus Tua in Alabama uh, and see who wins that like I think that would be you know I mean certainly made for TV to say the least um, <laughs> but I don't think that you know they've got quite enough to beat Clemson or Alabama so it's going to be another year like many in the past for Oklahoma where it's like hey you made the final four but no title for you
0: Another Big 12 team that a lot of people in the Kansas City area like Iowa State Uh, Made a lot of noise last year with some key wins in the Big 12. Now they're a top 25 team. And look, Matt Campbell, he's got back-to-back wins, uh, or excuse me, back-to-back seasons with eight and five seasons. Um, Listen, I like him, and he wants that to go up. This Cyclones team, they're starting to make some noise right now in the Big 12. And, you know, there's a big gap between them and Oklahoma right now for sure. But they're proving to be one of the more competitive teams in the Big 12 right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely and I think, you know, a big part of that's the fact that they found a quarterback uh and obviously a coach, but uh you know, I think that you know they're you know a top 25, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25 sort of team. I know right now they're at like 23 I think in the most recent poll. Uh but I think you know they're probably streaming for another, you know, I mean if not 8 and 5, maybe a step back, you know, a 7 and 6 type season simply because you know they've lost some key offensive pieces that it'll be interesting to see. I mean you know, having to replace David Montgomery is a tough one. And realistically, they just struggled to beat Northern Iowa. Um, You know, it took them like three overtimes to get that done. So there's going to be some growing pains, but ultimately I think they've got enough to, you know, still end up with a winning record this year, you know, make it to a bowl game and, you know, come out of there with a win.
0: Sticking in the state of Iowa, a lot of people... Big fans of the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, always competitive under Kirk Ferenc, who's entering his 20, or has already entered his 21st year as the head coach at Iowa. Uh, the Hawkeyes finished 25th last year, but here's the problem with them. They have been 10 and 10 in Big Ten play the last two years combined. You've got to show more competitiveness in your conference schedule. And I think that's been the big setback for Iowa.
1: I mean, plain and simple you know what you're going to get out of Iowa most years. Uh, in this case, you know, you're going to get a couple of, you know, top, you know, you, I mean, realistically, you've got at least one top 10 draft pick, maybe two with AJ Epinesa, uh, and then Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle. Um, but do you have enough to compete in the big 10? I, I'm not sure that you do simply because, you know, everybody knows what you're going to get when you're playing against Iowa. It's going to be a pretty hefty rushing attack. Um, you know, you're they're gonna you know line up and just run the ball down your throat, uh, and the quarterback's gonna control. I mean, Nate Stanley, who they've got right now, has put up solid numbers, but uh, you know, the eye test, he doesn't look like anything that impressive. Um, but you know, they're uh, they're really good at beating the teams they should beat. Do they step up to you know beat the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world? Not too often, uh, and so I think that you know really you're gonna get another consistent Ferentz type season which is to say, you know, you'll win somewhere between 8 and 10 games, go to a bowl game, probably not a BCS game, or, I mean, a playoff game, call it what you want. Um, you know, you'll finish you know, kind of in that lower part of the top 25, just like Ference seems to always do.
0: All right, and the last team, a Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, Big Red. I know a lot of Big Red fans here in Kansas City. Big Red NFL, Big Red College. What do you know? Uh, Scott Frost, uh, got off to an 0-6 start last year, finished 4-8. and Nebraska want to to start the year, and they're ranked 24th right now. Obviously, Husker fans hoping that this project, better than the one before with Mike Riley when he replaced Bo Pellini, uh, did not go well at all. Uh, a lot of Nebraska fans were excited when Scott Frost first got there, and, you know, obviously this year you're off to a way better start than last year. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I still have some questions about Scott Frost. I'm not sold on this guy. Are you sold on Scott Frost? I think
1: that he's gonna be able to get them back to where they'd like to be. Uh, you know, which is to say just a step above Iowa, realistically. Um they've always kind of had that, you know, state line rivalry. Um much the same way that, you know, Kansas and Missouri once did. The difference is now these guys are in the same conference. Um uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, they'll get back to where you know, frost is producing somewhere usually between you know seven and you know 10 or 11 win seasons on the high end um but yeah you know, i think this year is still one of those you know seven or eight wins uh, but that said you know their quarterbacks a stud. so as he continues to recruit uh, i think that you know frost uh, frost will do just fine
0: all right there you have it our college football forecast for 2019 a lot of previewing a lot of q a's here on this episode uh a lot to we'll see how here. well it ages yeah uh a lot uh we uncovered here on this episode greatly appreciate everybody who sent in a question for the q a segment we will do another one of these probably at the halfway point of the season not exactly sure but i'd love to do this again and i appreciate everybody who came out and participated in this facebook twitter text whatnot and i apologize if we didn't get to yours obviously you can see with the time uh, we did a lot of those Q&As And there were some uh, we couldn't get to We had to kind of trim that down a little bit So maybe we can get yours next time uh, And of course Some Chiefs news we uncovered here Discussed that and did our NFL preview And our college football uh, Outlook for the rest of the season Let us know your thoughts on anything we discussed Facebook.com slash Farzing Twitter.com slash Farzing21 Twitter.com slash ZSteganga You can also Call into the show, leave a voicemail or text at 913-808-2119. Subscribe to the podcast, share the link, greatly appreciate those who have been doing so. Spread the word about the Chiefs Zone podcast. We will be back tomorrow and we will preview the Chiefs 2019 season and break down the first game of the year for the Chiefs, the Chiefs and Jaguars this Sunday, at least still scheduled for Sunday. Hopefully we'll have a bit of an update with what's going on with Hurricane Dorian there. Uh, sorry this is a longer podcast. Like I said, obviously we had a lot to uh, to discuss and, and cover. Uh, hopefully we won't have a, a longer one in tomorrow's episode. But nonetheless, you guys have pretty much the whole week to listen to all of that before uh, the Sunday game. So a couple of podcasts for you guys this week. Uh, but we're going to go back to a normal schedule starting this weekend once the NFL season kicks off. All right. Reminder, we do have the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway happening right now, so participate in that. You have a 48-hour window to do so. I explained the rules at the beginning of the podcast, so follow those steps to be considered to have a chance to win. I have Vasugi and He is Zach Segna. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow, breaking down the Chiefs 2019 season. Take care.